Welcome to episode 142 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Just Send It for Posterity edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host, Joshua Fine. Man, uh, we had uh, quite a finish at the Xfinity 500. We had one that was also quite crazy the day before at Martinsville, and um, not so much at Mexico, including how the penalty or the breach that was not essentially because they bought too many um, meals or something. It's it's funny how Red Bull gets away with shit. But yeah, quite uh, an interesting weekend at Martinsville leading into the final race of the 2022 season for NASCAR there, Josh. Yeah, definitely. Probably one of the all-time finishes ever in NASCAR and maybe even racing. And it's got everybody talking. Yeah, the... Ross Chastain pulling the video game move, riding the wall in turn three and four. Uh, you know, never would have expected it. And I mean, in real time, I couldn't even believe what was happening. And all I could do was laugh when it finally was over. And yeah, just, um, you know, it's the move that I've probably made uh, a few times in PlayStation on, you know, back in the day in the NASCAR Thunder 2004. And, all those games, you know, Chase for the Cup 2005, all, you know, all those console games, not so much on iRacing, but um, just an incredible move. And, um, you know, it's got everybody talking and people that normally talk about NASCAR. I mean, the fact the matter is, it's number one or last night on SportsCenter's top 10 plays. Uh, when was the last time you seen a NASCAR highlight on the top 10 plays uh, in SportsCenter? Probably, probably never. And, you know, Probably not even since like the '90s or something, I bet. But you know, just a it's the move that's got everybody talking, and you know, honestly, probably made me a Ross Chastain fan right there if I wasn't already one, and probably made him uh, him a lot of fans there too. So, just an incredible move, and um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, of course, Ty Gibbs, uh, public enemy number one, going into the championship round for the Xfinity series. So, um, yeah, just a really you know polarizing exciting weekend of racing that we saw at martinsville and even at mexico yeah i mean mexico is definitely uh a bore fest but then that's what that track is it's never really been the greatest for racing no matter where it's been on the calendar um these days it's even worse um they've taken away a lot of where the challenges were by making it smooth they've kind of and adding tons of runoff they've kind of made it a very benign racetrack but a track that isn't benign is Martinsville, albeit for the first maybe 350 or so laps of the race it was pretty benign. Um, Ross Chastain going um, full send and to four, shifting it in the fifth gear and saying, saying God bless and going and riding the wall like uh, he was Tony Hawk on a skateboard um, and making it work is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in 30 what a 31 years of watching motorsports. Uh, we'll definitely get into that. We'll get into who advances. Christopher Bell gets a second walk-off win uh, in a row round for the second round in a row and gets into the final four. Um, we'll talk about the guys who are in the final four for the drivers. We'll also get into the final four for the owners um, because there is a deviation there. Um, we'll get into the guys that some of the people that had issues or had chances, but couldn't make it happen. Uh, of course the Xfinity controversy uh, that saw Keebler Gibbs basically 
destroy his run through his own teammate and then quote Jesus to justify it, which is great, which tells you all you need to know about how deluded that idiot is. Um, we'll also get into uh, Fish Lips winning his 14th Grand Prix, breaking a record uh, that was held for since 2013 with Sebastian Vettel, but prior uh, Michael Schumacher. So now he's the all-time record holder. Um, we'll get into uh, the rest of the field there. Lewis Hamilton gets another second-place finish. Sergio Perez gets a, can, a third-place finish. So the same podium as last year. Get into the driver's and constructor's point standings and um, other other keys. Uh, stories that took place with just two races to go in the roundup we'll go over the supercars at surfers paradise uh, this past weekend we'll also get into the nhra at las vegas for the all the categories there and the pro categories uh maggot Ed- enders gets another pro stock championship uh, but the other top fuel funny car pro stock motorcycle are all still in play going to pomona one Anthony Wayne Stewart made his drag racing debut in top alcohol dragster, qualified P2 on his first run, and was ten, two ten thousandths of a second away from winning his top alcohol dragster debut, losing to a legacy driver, um, the daughter of uh, Jay Payne, the legendary top alcohol or top alcohol funny car and dragster driver pro mod etc etc and her mom uh shelly anderson formerly drive who drove in top fuel many years ago and won top fuel races and her uncle randy anderson uh who won in funny car so legacy driver there winning uh that race so not something you can't be mad about that to be that close so i mean at least matt hagan won in the funny car though uh, MotoGP Moto2 at Valencia, the last race of the year. We'll preview that. We'll get into NFL Week 8 um, as uh, Joe Burrow has already thrown an interception um, because he doesn't have Jamar Chase, so I am no quarterbacks now, it seems like. Um, we'll uh, get into fantasy where Josh uh, ends up with one of the best scores, but still ends up not being able to get the win while I'm going to be in the same spot more than likely. Um, the Niners win. Jacksonville uh, has a brutal defeat at the hands of the Denver Broncos. Um, Trevor Lawrence is decision-making, especially in uh, the red zone, is pretty bad. Um, I know Josh will have more to say on that. Um, I already know about it because of my mediocre scores that I've received from uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, this week in my fantasy teams. Aiden. We will preview the Phoenix uh, triple header for all three series. We'll go over our picks because at the end of the day, more than likely uh, one of the four championship people will win. Um, there's five in the case of the Cup Series, so that kind of makes it a little more of a difference. But... Um, we'll see who we pick to win, who we think is going to be the champion. That means it'll be the champion. And, um, and wild card picks for those races. Josh will get into the sim segment, talk about iRacing, and uh, we can get into the fact that Ross Chastain drove GameCube with his brother and learned how to do that, and he did it yesterday. So credit to NASCAR Thunder for showing the showing plenty of people that you can make it happen, at least at Martinsville. Um, and then we'll close the deal. 
So, yeah, the, everybody's talking about the fact that Ross Chastain did what he did, and it was in Golf Digest. I got the I get the email, and it was on the bottom of the one email of Golf Digest. Uh, it was trending. It was number one play on SportsCenter. It, it, it's one of the craziest things ever lived. Uh, trying to explain it. I can't explain it. The announcers couldn't explain it. J- Phil Spain and his girlfriend, Sarah, were at the racetrack and were videotaping that. Um, that was literally the most action that took place the whole entire day. It was a bad. It wasn't a very good race. Uh, Denny Hamlin dominated the majority of the race, won the first two stages. Um, but his teammate Christopher Bell at the end was able to come through. He led 150 laps. So the Joe Gibbs Racing team led what is it 200 350 laps between the two those two cars and then you add Hendrick Motorsports with the five and the nine uh, led you see 110 well around 115 so they had four cars led the majority of the race yesterday but in in the end Christopher Bell for a second consecutive round gets a gets the Hail Mary win and uh, locks himself into the championship four for the first time in the Cup Series. Former Truck Series champion Christopher Bell has competed for Xfinity titles but has not been able to close in that deal, so now he's going to have a chance at a Cup title. Kyle Larson finished second and advanced for the owner's championship. Ryan Blaney has finished third. Ross Chastain gets moved up to fourth. Um, due to something we'll mention in a moment. Denny Hamlin, fifth. Joey Logano, sixth. William Byron, seventh. Bubba Wallace, eighth. Chase Briscoe, ninth. And Chase Elliott, William Clyde Elliott, the second, was tenth. So nine of the top ten were playoff drivers. Uh, Harrison Burton, Daniel Suarez, Todd Gilland, Cold Custard, Eric Almarola, Kevin Harvick, and Michael McDowell were all on the lead lap at the end, so Stuart Haas Racing had all of their cars on the lead lap, and Chase Briscoe, late in the race, stayed out on tires, so did Cole Custer, and um, he had a good run going, probably one of the best runs he's had all year, and um, got good stage points, but the tires kind of went away from him there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing, we, I mean, we have to get into it. I mean, Christopher Bell, for the second round in a row, Josh, goes and gets that victory, had to pass Chase Briscoe with uh, what amount? I think four laps to go or something, uh, or eight laps, whatever. Four, I think it was four laps to go. He uh, moved. He kind of got. He kind of moved him a little bit, but Briscoe had no bite. Um, entering center off, he was kind of going and having issues, kind of pushing in the corners. So he had a valiant effort. Got the lead, was up to a second, a sec, 1.1 seconds, but fresh tires were behind him with uh, Christopher Bell, with uh, Larson, and Brad Keselowski, who uh, ended up getting disqualified due to um, weight limits. Minimum weight requirement issue uh, was in the front all day, qualified sixth, and then was in the top 10 both stages and was. Uh, and finished fourth in the race. So, but after in post-race inspection got DQ'd. So, um, he, uh, ends up finishing dead last, which is pretty brutal. It's been quite a year for Brad and as an owner, uh, his first year as an owner. So, um, 
Christopher Bell, he's going to be racing for a championship on Sunday, and um, he's going to be joined by, of course, Joey Logano, who won the first uh, race of the round at Vegas. And then, uh, what was it, last week was... um, Kyle Larson winning it for the owner's title. Won and got in for the owner's title um, at Homestead. And then... um, so and then this week Christopher Bell gets the victory. So two guys come in, get in on victories, and then William Clyde Elliott the second gets in on points, and Ross Chastain with his with his um, kamikaze uh, move at the end of the race made up five spots in one corner and uh, advances to the final four. It was quite an insane finish, Josh. Yeah, I mean it's quite an insane finish and. You know, for start off for Chris Bell, um, I mean, co- coming to, you know, the last, you know, before the last caution, it was looking like it was going to be between him and Ryan Blaney. And then, you know, the caution comes out for Rick Ware Racing's number 15, and that kind of set things in motion for, you know, for the finish. And, uh, you know, I thought Chase Briscoe, he stayed out, and I thought maybe it actually worked out because, you know, we, we've seen this year with this car on the short tracks, um, maybe the tire wear wouldn't be enough, but uh, evidently, you know, it was. After a certain amount of time, the tires just completely went away on the number 14, and Chris Bell was able to make the moves to, you know, get up into uh, second. And then Brad Keselowski got up to uh, Chase Briscoe and tried to bump him out of the way, and then he got loose, and then that opened the door for Chris Bell to get around uh, Keselowski and then got around. Uh, Chase Briscoe there and uh, took the lead and then took the overall victory uh, in the race. And yeah, it's the second time this happened in uh, the chase or in the playoffs this year. Of course, Chris Bell got the uh, clutch win at the Charlotte Roval to get in uh, almost kind of the same way too, because um, he had way better tires at the end there. And this race here, he had uh, the best tires uh, uh, there at the end and you know managed to uh, win the race and get into the, the final four. And yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously rash testing, we'll get him to in a minute, but had the, um, I think we all probably would have thought he would made it into this. So the fact that he's in it um, is not surprising with the way he made it in, of course, surprising, but Chris Bell, I don't think we had him on our list uh, of uh, drivers who could get in and you know, would have thought his teammate in Joe Gibbs racing, uh, Danny Hamlin would would have gotten uh, into this playoff uh, final four rather than him. I mean, we go back to our predictions all the way back before this whole thing started when we had uh, Joe on at um, the end of August. Uh, we had, I think, um, you know, I had I had uh, Elliot Logano, Harvick, and Hamlin, and then he had Elliot Logano, Reddick, and Hamlin, um, and we both I, he had Chris Bell eliminated the round of twelve. And I had him eliminated the round of 12. So, you know, he made it past both those rounds and now he's in the final four and uh, could be a legitimate threat uh, to win this title, actually, um, based on, you know, how he's performed this season. Um, Phoenix is definitely a track that he could um, run well at and run up front. Um, so he, he's definitely someone you can't count out um, just because they, they've been off and on this year. And so um, would would be a shocker if he's able to win. Um this rate you know this championship but you know going on to Ross Chastain of course everybody's talked about him but you know what's really like legendary about this move is the fact that um you know he passed so many cars in one corner like you said five 
five cars. And not only that, but you know, just the rate of speed. He set a new track record at Martinsville uh, for a stock car, which um, you know, the fastest one I think was, was uh, I think a nineteen. Uh, Kyle Larson had nineteen point nine, I think, in his pole lap, and I think the fastest lap ever uh, for a car at Mar- stock car at Martinsville was uh, Jamie McMurray in twenty fourteen. Uh, so, just the you know, I think it was a tenth faster than that. Just so, just the amount of speed that he was going. Um, just a you know incredible rate of speed, and I feel like you know you try this at another track. You know we've seen Carl Edwards do it. He didn't have the right trajectory because you know he went took the same line and went lower to pass Jimmy Johnson in 2008 at Kansas. Then Kyle Larson kind of did it last year at Darlington. Um, but Martinsville is a perfect track because it has a small radius, and you know the you have to normally break pretty heavily to get in the corner and get out of it. But last lap, when you got you know all or nothing on the line, you, know, you can just floor it and just ride the wall, the wall to victory. And um, you know just the way with physics and the next gen car being super stiff, it actually worked out. So um, it's a you know genius move, honestly. I mean, it, anybody could have done it, but you know um, takes a lot of guts to do it. And um, you know it's not something you normally think of doing, but. Um, and when we've seen it happen, we've seen it only with two cars, you know, like the leader in second place doing it, like like we mentioned with Edwards and Johnson and then Larson and Hamlin. So he passed so many cars on the on that one corner, just just a, you know, ingenuity of that move. And, you know, I told you last night, um, it reminded me of uh, the pass at Laguna Seca in 1996 with Zanardi and uh, Brian Herta and Chip Ganassi agreed with that. And he said it was exactly like that. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a bonsai move on the last lap and you got to do what you got to do. So that's, um you know, glad to see that Chip was thinking the same thing. And then not only that, but then I also just thought of this like earlier, um, you know, with, Ryan Newman, 2014 at Phoenix, he um, went in deep into the corner and doored Kyle Larson into the wall uh, to make it into the Final Four and eliminated Jeff Gordon. Very similar fashion here. Uh, same Kind of the same idea. You floored it and hope for the best. And uh, Ross Chastain eliminates his rival this season, Denny Hamlin, from getting into the, the Final Four in NASCAR. So, um, you know, just a a lot of you know a lot of drama in that moment and you know he's able to pull it off and in fact you know with brad's penalty he didn't even need to pass or this move didn't even need to happen he could have just completely lucked into it um by virtue of brad's penalty but um um you know it happened and it's got everybody talking so um yeah i mean i i don't think i would have been able to pull off that move in i racing because number one i normally don't think of that you want to avoid the wall in i racing you know, with the points um i guess how it works and the, the licensing system um you know you have to uh, avoid incidents and probably would have accrued some incident points there um but of course you know um, people are wondering, you know, why don't people try this out more? And I mean, it's exactly why you don't try it more and more because, you know, you destroy the car. And in most cases, you want to try to bring it back home in one piece. But, you know, in this scenario, a unique scenario, um, you know, you had to go for broke and try it. So, um, you know, in this case, you know, bring bring home the steering wheel or bring home nothing, you know, brought home, brought home the steering wheel and Ross Chastain in the championship four and definitely uh, has a shot there. And then, you know, you talk about... Chase Elliott, you know, he ended up being because Chris Bell barely made it in, uh, you know, with the win, and it put 
Elliot's hopes on the line, but he's safely made it in. I think plus four, uh, you know, in into the uh, playoff final four, and then Joey Logano, of course, already secure. Uh, so you know, you have two former champions going up uh, in the final four uh, against two guys that have never won a championship, have never been in in this position before. Chris Bell, of course, won Chuck Championship many years ago, but um, now you have him and Ross Chastain, of course. Many years ago, you know, starting park guy, uh, watermelon farmer. I mean, you got a Hail Mary. I mean, people, I think, online are calling it the Hail Melon, and it's exactly what it was. So Ross Chastain in the final four here uh, as we go to Phoenix. But um, trying to think of something else of this incident. Oh, yeah, well, Larson's also in the final four for the owner's points, and we'll get into it later. But um, it's, a, it's a unique scenario there, too, because um, – as long as he wins, you know, he wins the owner's championship. Uh, if Elliott wins, he still has a chance. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch that scenario where you have a split, possibly a, a split title there. But, um, yeah, just an exciting race at the end to watch. Of course, you know, the middle portion, beginning portion, um, I didn't think it was as bad as, uh, you know, the beginning uh, or the spring Martinsville race. But um, I think there's a little bit more variance here. Um, and there's a little, you'd see a little bit more uh, tire wear, tire wear strategy, but um, still, still a lot of work to be done. Uh, you know, especially you know, you saw at the end Ryan Blaney could have had a chance to go up against Chris Bell and make make what could have been a winning pass, but which may have happened in the old car. But in this car, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to um, you know make up for it and um, you know to easily defeat whoever is trying to pass you. So. A um, lot of work to be done in this car uh, to make it, I guess, uh, pl- more palatable on the road courses in terms of passing and on the short tracks in terms of passing. So, you know, maybe maybe they have to go to a different short track package. Like, you know, IndyCar has a high horsepower short track package with, uh, you know, their short track car and on the, ro- the road courses, street courses has more horsepower, different aero kit there. Maybe NASCAR has got to do something similar to that. Uh, you know, for their car when they go to the road courses and the short tracks, try to make it more raceable uh, among the competitors. So, you know, we'll have to see if uh, they think of something like that. But, you know, overall, you know, pretty pretty legendary ending, I think, to that Martinsville race here uh, on Sunday. It's going to be utilized, I think, by Martinsville Speedway and NASCAR for eternity going into their 75th year next year. Uh, that move is going to be used in, I think, every possible promotional package they can find and if ross chastain can go and win the championship next sunday it'll be you know one of the great underdog stories of all time uh coming through i mean going back how many years ago to not not having a ride possibly having a ride sponsor going down in flames to having a start and park and piecemeal rides together to getting a cup an actual cup ride last year um, to now being in a position to be in the final four Uh, Christopher Bell after struggles. And I mean, Eric Jones had similar struggles and Gibbs got rid of him. In this case, Gibbs knew that Toyota wasn't going to allow him to be let go and he needs to keep him. And when you consider what else is coming and it's not very good, uh, he really needs Christopher Bell to be good and, him and Adam Stevens are a great combination, and they've proven it in this playoff uh, to win two races here in, in must-win situations. Uh, 
you know, what was it you said uh, about uh, the fastest lap? Yeah, there was 18.845, 100.483 miles an hour. The old track record was Jamie McMurray in qualifying uh, from 2014, as you said. Josh, uh, I think it was, what is it? I have to go back. Uh, go back here in a second and bring up the qualifying results. So great, the thing is loading slow. Um the qualifying results was um what is with this thing going so slow now um yeah it was an 1895 so so actually he was with the i don't even know what the package it was a gen 6 car i don't know if it was low downforce high horsepower in so that was the high high horsepower high downforce car i think that one okay. they had nine i think they had nine inch spoilers uh, or eight inch spoilers uh, I want to say, yeah, 8-inch boilers in 2014 with uh, about 900 horsepower with uh, the Gen 6 car. Um, eight, Yeah, so Ross Chastain ran 18. Th- faster. Yeah, 18.845. Uh, the actual track record in qualifying was 18.898 by Joey Logano. Um, so I think that you mentioned, actually, was we mentioned it was J- Jamie McMurray, but I think... Uh, Joey Logano must have said it because that was when they had the first, second round, third round qualifying uh, okay. in that era, and probably was in one of one of those rounds before the final round. So uh, Logano has the, the official track qualifying record, and then Ross Chastain has the overall track record uh, in a course. cup car. Yeah, in a cup car. So, uh, which of course um, probably will never happen again unless somebody else decides to floor it into turn one, and maybe maybe they even floor it into turn uh, one and two in addition to turn three and four, uh, and then maybe you'll get a, a hundred and ten mile an hour lap or something like that, and then set the all time record at Martinsville. So <laughs> crazy to see, yeah. but you know, <laughs> just a fast. That's lap how they should the run end. the truck series there. I yeah. think. The truck series, because half of them run over each other anyway, they should just go and run the wall. Um, that would be the new way to run these flat pavement tracks. I think they should try that out at New Hampshire next year, too. Might as well go and change it up a little bit. But uh, it's uh, quite a situation there. What happened, uh, I'm still kind of I can't believe what I can't believe what I just saw. You know, like that's just this insane um, Chris Bell getting in. Elliot proving that going and earning as many points as he did in um, the regular season was necessary because if he hadn't, he would have he would have been out of this uh, championship. I mean, he was already out of the owners' championship. The driver points, um, as it stands, he they did the reset, so that's the driver points before the reset. Saw him be uh, three points out uh behind so he's yeah he ended up being on the bump based on um chris bell getting the win so actually yeah chase elliott was on the bump spot and he only got in by four points which is crazy to think when he had 46 playoff points he had he has had a pretty mediocre playoff um outside of the win at talladega and um but it doesn't mean he can't go out and win a phoenix again uh, so we'll see about that. And then Joey Logano, of course, won at Vegas past Briscoe late in that race to win it. And um, that's one thing I'll reference for Chase Briscoe uh, being in a spot now um, where he ended up 
finishing uh, right now as it stands with uh, one race to go. He is he had a chance to win. He was a few laps away possibly from winning. And now he is 10th in points, 40 points ahead of Austin Dillon and uh, 15 points behind Daniel Suarez. So with, you know, a decent a decent race uh, performance, if he can go, if they I mean, I have a hard time believing they'll allow it. It never has happened in the Cup Series. It's happened in other series, mainly the trucks. But if he can repeat at Phoenix as he did in March, um which in during this playoff, he has been a different driver. Johnny Klausmeyer's done a good job, and I've not been a fan of his for the basically two years that he's been on the box for Joey Logano. Or, I mean, for for Chase Briscoe, um, he wasn't really doing much with Boyer. But then I always thought Boyer was not that good anyway. You look at the cars that they've been putting out the last two years have not been great. So Briscoe's been taking having to take liberties and go and overdrive the car which has cost him a lot and he didn't overdrive he tried all he could and i think vegas they were closer but that car was a was a dog shit car too i mean they had dog shit cars through the but through a lot of this playoff but they made the mo they made up for it late in races and i think that sh- that gives a sign that there is fight there is heart and if they make the right changes and they make some adjustments going into 2023, I was talking to somebody offline. And I was saying if they could make adjustments and if Rodney Childers starts to impart more, uh, may take a bigger role in how these cars are made and that they're all more you know, similar to the four, I think Chase Briscoe would benefit from that greatly. I would also think he'd benefit from a crew chief change, even with the fact that Klaus Meyer has been able to make the adjustments and make some changes where they were able to be better at the end of races. They need to be good all th- throughout all races, throughout the entire race. You can't just be good at the end. Um, you lose out on those stage points and playoff points. But valiant effort, poss- strong possibility to finish in the top 10 in points, which would mean he'd be the highest placed uh, driver in the Stuart Haas stable because Harvick right now is 16th he's 19 points behind alex bowman who hasn't even run hasn't even run for five weeks he's coming back this week um after the concussion protocols and all from uh from texas kyle bush uh, that's one thing i want to bring up i mean of course keselowski gets disqualified um loses out on a ton of points and probably means he will end up 24th uh, in the standings, I'm you know considering how many points he lost under points earlier this year, um, he'd be he'd be in s- close to the top twenty. He'd be over his teammate Chris Busher um, if that was if he hadn't lost those hundred points earlier in the year. And um, I mean there there's also there's the couple of shocking things were the fact that uh, Kyle Larson or not Kyle Larson Kyle Bush. I'm having. I'm just going and slipping with all kinds of names right now. Um, Kyle Busch had a nightmare race. I mean, it's it's almost like they're not even trying, uh, which is crazy. When you have one of the best drivers ever, he was no. He was in no man's land for most of the day. Finished six laps down in 29th. Uh, Austin Dillon had a crash and fell out, but that's whatever. Who cares? Uh, B.J. McLeod's car caught on fire, which was a 
the same issue that uh, got Chase Briscoe at Richmond and is seemingly a Ford problem, not for the other cars, which I don't get why that's the case, if they're all made the same, but um, with the rubber getting caught and then um, catching fire because of where the exhaust uh, manifold is and all that. Tyler Reddick had issues in his car, Josh, and had to get out. And it sounds like he had, uh, you know, it seems like concussion symptoms. We're getting into Alex Bowman coming back because of his wreck at Texas. And then um, having uh, Tyler Reddick, who's going into his final race for Richard Childress on Sunday, if he's cleared, having to get out of the car and they're not telling us for sure what it is. I thought it was like old school Martinsville where, you know, they knock crush panels in or whatever, and he got fumes. Uh, but it seems like concussion symptoms or something in that realm uh, made uh, Tyler Reddick. He wasn't feeling well. He got out of the car. Um, and hopefully he'll be all right. His future... Um, mentor Kurt Busch was at the racetrack this weekend kind of a jack of all trades uh for 2311 but he's out of the car of course and then uh, Bowman was at the track this weekend but and he'll be back in the car next week but this is a this is a bad sign now you know like it, it's he's not the only one this is the latest example and it maybe comes to show that for all the progress that has been made with this car at certain tracks, and you brought it up with how bad it races at at road courses and at short tracks, this is this glaring issue. This this red light, you know, like bright, you know, sirens have to go off. Guys getting sick, having to get out of the car if they're in incidents. It's almost like they have to get checked every week if they're involved in an incident. Uh, to make sure that they're able to pass concussion protocols, which was never an issue before. And there's so many people back in the day that suffered concussions. I mean, you're a junior fan. I'm an Ernie Irvin fan, Davey Allison fan. Um, you know, they got knocked out. I mean, Ernie had serious accidents, um, you know, and then Ern and then Davey had huge accidents. It's a bad sign. Uh, and I, and I guess in that case, it's a good thing that there's only one race to go. Um, hopefully there won't be any serious, um, wrecks uh, in the cup series at Phoenix. I mean, yeah, it's been a continuing issue and yeah, it's just another, another chapter, uh, another page in this, uh, book of concussions that's been written this year in the cup series. And, um, you know, let's, let's look at it from, you know, the football like perspective, you know, you, um, obviously we've seen. Uh, players in the NFL get hurt on hits that didn't look all that bad, uh, but they got the bell rung. You know, we've seen players get up after pretty hard hits, and on the other side, we've seen players get up or not get up after pretty heavy hits, and you know they got knocked out, got carried away on the stretcher, and you know some cases. Um, um, and you know, in this instance here in NASCAR, you know we've, um, I mean, in the NFL, going back to that, I mean, we've seen. You know, players obviously, if they don't look good enough uh, on the field, like you know, if they look like they woozy, they pull them out of the game, or they're supposed to pull them out of the game and go to concussion protocols. And um, you know, now with NASCAR, you know, with these impacts, uh, do they have to implement a system now where they basically have to you know go through uh, concussion protocols every time they've been in an incident uh, on the track? Um, I, mean, I don't know what the process is. You know, when they check and 
release them from the the care center but um i imagine now that concussion checks are probably part of the uh protocol there but um you know it's almost like now nascar has to like actually you know put a official concussion protocol system um and that you know the driver gets an impact you know he he goes into concussion protocols and then throughout the week they have to uh monitor him uh or her throughout the week uh and you know give them the all clear, you know, at the end of the week, if they're, you know, good to go for racing. Um, is that where we have to go for NASCAR these days in the cup series with, you know, as heavy as the impacts have been, uh, we'll see. And, you know, they've talked about the, uh, changing of the chassis in the rear, uh, of the car to try to make it absorb hits better. Uh, but of course, you know, we won't find out until next year when they start crashing again. Uh, and you know, when they we won't see it until testing, um, and even then, it's not going to really play out until uh, you see it in race form. And, you know, they're going to race differently, of course, than how they test. So the impacts are probably going to feel a lot, you know, a lot more different. And, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, you're not going to be as ready for it or, I don't know, as prepared for it, I guess, uh, as you might be in a practice session. Um, you know, so it's uh, just uh, not not a good sign right now. Uh, I mean, the other question is, is, you know, if Reddick wasn't feeling good, you know, why didn't, and uh, the team member, the RCR team said, or, you know, there was been reported that he wasn't feeling well before this race. Like why was he even in the car in the first place? You know, um, if he wasn't feeling good, they should have pulled him out of the car, uh, prior to, um, the weekend and put, you know, put in another, you know, guide, someone from the Xfinity series. So that's the other fact, uh, the other side of it that you have to, um, you know, consider. Um, but yeah, it's not, not a good look right now, of course. Um, and you know, you brought up, you know, we talked about Ross Chastain right now as well. Like, I mean, who's not to say that he might've felt something after that well riding, you know, to, uh, get into the championship. I mean, he even said himself, he was like, my, my head might be a bit scrambled and, um, everything and, you know, wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't, or if it was scrambled. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, another, another thing to keep in mind, um, you know, as we go to the last race of the season and, you know, hopefully, hopefully we don't have any more incidents like this or anything like this where, uh, you know, driver gets a concussion on a, I mean, obviously they're not preventable, all preventable, but, you know, something in a normal accident that we've been used to seeing, you know, uh, hopefully we, you know, see less, uh, concussions and, um, you know, drivers continuing to be able to race, uh, you know, as long as they want to. So, um, yeah, just a unfortunate scenario and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they do in the off season and, and hopefully it works, but, um, you know, just, uh, another piece of evidence against this car in terms of safety. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it here as the next few weeks go by and there are a whole lot of racing. We can come up with some ideas and what we may think might be better things for this car for next year. Um, but I mean, they've already started to test uh, the rear bumper structure. And um, my fear of that is based on the videos they've shown on social media that uh, we might have the old school. Um, they go and n- nail it right into the windshield and you'll have gas, the gas tanks going and blowing up and having fires like they used to have back in the 90s and early nine, early mid 90s when cars would go um and slam the wall rear end first and it would go 
slam the push the gas tank all the way into the center of the car. You know, Sterling Marlin at uh, Bristol '92 being an example of that. Um, there's plenty of examples, honestly, in regards to that. But um, we'll talk about that um, as we go on. Uh, speaking of somebody who slams somebody into the wall and doesn't really care about why or how, um, it Keebler Gibbs went and uh, decided to use up his teammate Brockshot Jones um, in the in the final laps of the race at Martinsville. Multiple restarts took place um, there, so uh, the Dead On Tools 250. It was they ran 19 extra laps uh, because of the green white checkered policy and um, Keebler Gibbs won one stage led the most laps won the race him and his teammate led 200 of the 269 laps 69 um, Sheldon Creed finished second Riley Herbst third Noah Gregson fourth Justin Allgaier fifth Sam Mayer sixth so three uh, junior motorsports cars Nick Sanchez finishes seventh in his next to last race in that car since Parker Kligerman will be driving to full-time next year. Daniel Hemrick from 37th finished 8th. Austin Hill from 36th finished 9th, but it wasn't enough uh, to make the final four. And then Blaine Perkins finished 10th for our motorsports there. Uh, Jeb Burton just outside the top 10. Raja Carruth finished 12th. Myatt Snyder and Austin Hill got into it. After the race, Myatt Snyder finished 14th. A.J. Allmendinger had issues and uh, finished 16th. Sammy Smith, driving the 18 car, got used up by Keebler as well. Uh, Josh Berry got, uh, I think Josh Berry got spun. I forgot about all the stuff that went on there. But, I mean, I, the, the initial thing we have to talk about is uh, Keebler-Gibbs. Um, Gregson called it Ty Gibbs Racing. Um his actions throughout this season and in general, his whole entire career have shown a general lack of respect or wherewithal for other drivers uh, running through both of his teammates late in this race is yet another example of that. Um, not really showing any, any real regard because the, the, the irony in all of this is he was already locked into the final four and by not if he had let Brandon, not let Brandon Jones win, but raced him hard and with a, you know, but not to the point of just sending him. Uh, there's a possibility Joe Gibbs would add two cars in the final four, uh, just the same way as Hendrick essentially has two cars in the final five uh, in the cup series. You know, the, the, and in also uh, Door Sport has two trucks in the final four in the truck series. That's better for, organization but in ty gibbs case and of course with his grandfather justifying any of his actions he drives like an asshat and he has a napoleon complex and he drives like a tool i mean his dad once famously got put firewall deep into a wall um intentionally by kevin harvick and kevin harvick got suspended the next day for a race for a cup series race herman had to drive the 29 car so you would think that his dad would have some balls and tell him to to knock it off or that his grandfather, considering some of the drivers he has had, you know, like Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Tony Stewart, that this isn't going to work 
because especially with the car that, I mean, he hasn't done much of anything in this next-gen car, but knowing what it is and knowing that he has a target on his back, it's not a good look for him. And especially going into this weekend's race, it's not a good look for him knowing that Buckshot Jones doesn't care because he's not going to be driving for Joe Gibbs Racing. Next year, he's driving for Junior Motorsports, taking over Gregson's car. And then the other three cars that are in this final four are the Junior Motorsports cars, who are all going to be his teammates. So, or, or two of those guys are going to be his teammates next year. So what is it to him to not just run over Keebler and put him in the wall? Like, really? Everybody and their mother wants to put Ty Gibbs in the wall that is, I mean, outside of, like, the, his family and, like, 15 people that are his fans. I mean, he's he's literally one of the douchiest guys I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's Max Verstappen-level arrogant and and doesn't have any awareness whatsoever. Um, he may have talent, but he has no awareness, and it's and it's disturbing. Uh, to to be fair, and it shows a it shows where the sport is going, and it's going downhill in terms of driver respect and talent in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, with um, Ty Gibbs and Brandon Jones, you know, they were at it, you know, the last couple of restarts of that race before going into uh, the final lap, and contrast that with AJ Allmendinger and jo- uh, Justin Nogar, uh Previously, you know, they were bumping each other for a few laps, and then. Um, you know they they were able to let it go uh peacefully and um well Almendinger ended up getting a uh flat tire and that ended him there but you know afterwards they shook hands and gave each other you know respect and everything and then uh Ty Gibbs you know on the other hand went and you know drove it in too deep and and got his teammate there and um you know just flat out took out his own own guy and um you know didn't have to win that race you know uh would have already been locked in already because he um locked in in the first stage uh the race and you know goes out and takes out his teammate and now he's um gonna have to go against uh three junior motorsports cars to uh you know win the championship and just not a not a good look at all um and you know um everybody's hated him this whole year uh for the most part you know he puts on this nice guy act uh compares himself to the lord and um you know says oh yeah well if they hated jesus they'll hate me too i mean that's incredible uh comparison to make and um just not a not a good way to compare yourself there um you know uh you know i don't really know how, how you could even put yourself on that level um but you know just uh um unaware unaware move i guess to to be able to do that and um you know he went and wrecked brandon jones and um you know i fully expect brandon jones to try to pay him back next weekend at uh phoenix raceway and just um you know he he shows his character time and time again you know he bumped joe or john hunter nemechek out of the way uh in richmond earlier this year and then he went and flat out dumped his teammate uh in turn one at martinsville and uh you know just didn't need to do that and um you know took out you know it doesn't take any talent to wreck a guy to win the race um you know so uh, just not not a good look at all and you know i was telling you the other night you know with comparing him to Gregson, you know, people don't like Gregson because, I mean, some people don't like Gregson because of his character and, you know, maybe the way he races and the things he's he's done this year, of course, hooked uh, 
uh, what's his face, Sage Karam in the right rear at, at Road America. Uh, you know, probably the best example of you know that. But at least, at least uh, Chastain or not Chastain, at least um, uh, Noah Gregson is honest. You know, at least he's authentic in some ways. And um, you know, he Ty Gibbs on the other hand puts on the nice guy act when uh, he's not behind the wheel, and then as soon as he gets behind the wheel, he you know acts like a complete jerk. So. Um, you know, at least, at least, uh, he's honest and authentic and, um, you know, can't, can't fault him or, you know, I mean, we can, but, you know, um, at least, you know, what, what kind of guy he is. On the other hand, you have somebody who's just a, you know, com- a complete fraud a type of person. So, um, that's just, um, you know, Ty Gibbs, public enemy number one in, in the Xfinity series. So, and probably all on NASCAR. So, uh, you know, he's going to get it in the cup series uh you know if he pulls off this type of uh thing and you know good luck trying to wreck people in the cup series especially with this car i mean he's aware of it too because he's replacing right now the guy that's going to retire from the sport because of uh concussions and um you know he'll, he'll put somebody in the wall and give him a concussion and you know that's just shows the lack of awareness uh for you know safety and you know just um being a teammate a good good race car driver so uh, just, um, you know, disappointing, uh, move to see from Ty Gibbs and, um, you know, maybe, maybe now people will finally turn on him. Cause you know, I feel like, you know, people, there's probably still some people that were cheering for him and stuff. Cause he, you know, has talent and everything. And it's just like, well, why even root for a guy like that in the first place? So, um, you know, after that incident, so, uh, you know, we'll see, obviously they're not penalizing this. I mean, they should, um, I feel like I feel like they should have penalized that type of move. I mean, they took it away from uh, Ricky Rudd after he spun Davy Allison Sonoma back in 1990, and you know, 91, and yeah, it was way less egregious. Yeah, than way less egregious than that, um, and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, there I don't know how many other incidents uh, did that happen where somebody you know spun somebody out like that for the win and didn't get penalized. I don't know, so. Obviously, well, they never penalized Earnhardt when he did it. Like, well, yeah, it's like he did at at Bristol to Terry Labonte. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, I mean, just like I don't think I don't think Dale Senior would have wrecked his teammate though. So yeah, yeah. Well, he he didn't like he didn't care for Skinner to be well, fair. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. But I don't. I still don't think he would have wrecked his teammate like that to win a race. But maybe maybe he would have. But I don't know. But yeah, just a uh, not a not a honorable way to win in NASCAR. I feel like so. Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what um, he does in Phoenix um, if if he's able to. I mean, I, I like like I said, I like the quote from Noah Gregson. He's like, well, I mean, Ty Gibbs racing. Oh, sorry, I mean Joe Gibbs racing. So yeah, it's Ty Gibbs racing for sure because um, he's obviously Grandpa Joe Gibbs is clearly revolving the race team around his grandson and everything. So um, yeah, just uh, shows uh, you know what it's all about uh, over for the Toyo. Yeah, for the Toyota camp. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's just disgusting really, you know, and it's, it's sad that they, they are promoting this guy as one of these next big things of NASCAR and the dipshit won the ARCA title and he won a bunch of races last year. I mean, hell he ran, he moved out, he ran into Chase Briscoe last year at Charlotte when he was running a limited schedule to win an Xfinity race. And I think that was the only race Chase Briscoe ran in an Xfinity car last year. Um, I mean, he, he has, he just has this thing where he believes he's like 
God's, I mean, he literally thinks he's God's gift to racing. Um, and I think that's the same kind of arrogance and douchiness that he reminds me of Versopin and some of these other people like Kyle Bush in earlier years and people like that. And it's like, fine, you may be good, but somebody sends you firewall deep into the wall. Uh, you're not going to really feel so good about it. And I think a lot of these guys uh, in the old days, he had gotten his ass kicked. Um, now they don't do that anymore because these pit crew guys get in the way and they're all old football or basketball or hockey players. So now they use their cars as weapons. So in this case, he needs to get sent in the wall. And I mean, I, 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 it's terrible to say, and you know, how dangerous the sport is and getting put in the wall and, all that. I mean, the Xfinity car is a safer car than the uh, cup car at this point. But between, you know, the the likes of Brandon Jones, you know, there's going to be Sammy Smith. But he's not really going to do anything because I assume he's going to be one of the guys that's driving for them next year because of the money he brings to the table. Uh, John Hunter's not racing in this race, but uh, I would venture to say that he will be in one of the cars next year. I would assume Joe Gibbs is going to run three cars. So, I mean, that's at least two of them. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the third car will be a uh, quote star car sh- instead of being because right now this year they're running three cars, right? They're running the night 18, 19 and the 54. Uh, so the 18 and the 19, I guess, would be the regular cars next year. And then the 54, hopefully they'll renumber it um, because it has no relevance. I don't understand why he's running the 54 in the first place. It's a Kyle Bush thing. They would probably run the 20 or whatever, bring in 18, 19, and 20 for symmetry. And then they'll make that the star car or something. But um, I guess I, I figure Sammy Smith will be in one of them cars. But, you know, I don't. I, I think I'm rooting more to see Ty Gibbs in the wall before the end of the first stage. I think that's. I'm curious to see what kind of bets they're going to be now. I'm going to have to kind of look around. It's not that I bet much anymore, mainly because I'm not. I, my finances suck. But that's that's kind of a bet that I want to see. Uh, what the over under is on how many laps it'll take for somebody to put Ty Gibbs in the wall? Because um, it would be a gift. It would be a gift from God. It's called karma for um being a piece of shit um but in the case of in the case of um the guys that as as we said before that'll be in the final four uh gregson barry gibbs allgaier ends up 12 points ahead of almendinger so almendinger will not be able to win an xfinity title um, to be fair, outside of the road courses and super speedways, and maybe to a lesser extent, um, some short tracks, but not every short track, uh, they weren't that good of a team. Uh, they weren't good enough, and that's and you know they weren't able to make the adjustments or make the cars good enough to win, and that's why one of the cars got eliminated in the first round. Why one of them make the playoff, and then AJ gets knocked out here, even with as many wins as he had. Austin Hill is somebody that will be a uh, prohibitive favorite going into next year with the year under his belt, um, but falls short, bad qualifying um, on Friday, kind of relegated him and put him, and he didn't have a great round anyway, uh, relegated him, but he'll have a chance next year, going to be running Beard Motorsports 62 six times, so that's an opportunity for him as well. In the Cup Series, I would assume RCR is going to be looking at 
they want to add a third car, I think uh, they're going to be looking at trying to put Austin Hill in that car uh, or Creed, uh, depending on what happens. But we'll see you at the Xfinity Series. Okay, so let's move forward uh, into the Grand Prix of Mexico. Uh, key, what's it called? Uh, Fish Lips. Quite a great weekend for them. They basically get away with um, with uh, going and going over the cost cap. Uh, they don't want to talk to Sky because they feel aggrieved by how people talk about them, um, in large part because you know they're bullshit artists. But they win another race. It was basically a um, it was a, a runaway. Uh, the first segment of the race was pretty pretty interesting. There was some um, some uh, intrigue there. Mercedes kind of. I mean, Red Bull basically made the race for themselves because they pitted Sergio Perez. So Lewis Hamilton had to cover that off uh, for track position. Um, they kept George Russell out for a longer time, but then weren't really committed to that and then pitted him to the point where he was essentially going to finish fourth. And then Max Verstappen pitted when he pitted and uh, was able to dictate the rest of the race from the front. Um so the results of the Mexican Grand Prix is 14th win, breaking a record uh, with Sebastian Vettel in 2013 and Michael Schumacher, I think in 2003, of 13 victories in a season. Uh, wins the, the Grand Prix, and let's see here, wins by 15.186 seconds over Lewis Hamilton. Um and then Hamilton was 2.911 seconds over Sergio Perez ahead there. Uh, so George Russell gets the fastest lap, finishes fourth. The Ferraris were basically non-existent the whole entire weekend. Those were the six cars on the lead lap. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo finishes first car one lap down in seventh, wins driver of the day. Esteban Ocon eighth, Lando Norris ninth, Valtteri Botas tenth, a rare point for Alfa Romeo. Pierre Gasly two points away from a one-race ban on his uh, penalty points situation. Alex Albon, 12th. Uh, Fernando Alonso having harsh words for the Alpine team with another reliability issue. Um, It's probably karma for all the shit he talks about Lewis Hamilton because he's a Napoleon complex fucking prick who can't get over the fact that Lewis beat him in 2007. And then Yuki Sonoda got knocked out um, by Daniel Ricciardo when he made a weak passing maneuver in the race. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot that went on. There wasn't a whole lot of action after the start. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo was one of the only people that kind of made it interesting. There was action behind the top six cars um, with with the DRS and all that. But in the end, Verstappen gets another win. Two races to go to go and that possibly set an all-time, continue to set an all-time record. Um, But uh, Mercedes definitely um, has made progress here these last couple of races, and it may be a sign of possible gains going into 2023 for them, as Lewis has had a good run uh, post-summer break. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I mean, it was the Mexican Grand Prix, I mean, not a really whole lot to take away from it other than, you know, it's continuing the victory tour for 
uh, Max Verstappen, but at least behind him, it was a little bit interesting. And um, yeah, actually, I think I called this one right with uh, Lewis in second and Sergio Perez finishing third. Uh, so, and I guess considering that I pick Lando, his teammate, uh, being kind of the wild card of the day, uh, I, I picked Lando as the wild card. And I mean, his teammate ended up being kind of the show to finish seventh. So, you know, just uh interesting finish there uh, for McLaren. But, you know, um, not really, you know, a whole lot that you could talk about with this finish. But, you know, behind that, um, Lewis, I guess he had a little bit of battle with his teammate at the beginning of the race. Um, but, you know, they couldn't make much of it. And then afterwards they were debating whether uh, the strategy that Ricardo could have um, – that if they could have uh, implemented that strategy and you know i think the difference to finish in seventh versus trying to win the race on the same strategy is probably uh, a lot you know a lot uh, greater and you know when you're going up against the rest of the field it might be easier to pull off that kind of finish um but you know at the same time trying to win the race on that type of strategy um may not get you there just uh based on how well uh Max Verstappen's car has performed this season and you know how fast he's been um maybe it could have you know gotten a couple of laps led or something but I feel like you know either you wouldn't be able to make enough time to get up to uh Verstappen uh to win the race or you pass him at some point but then he passes you back a couple of laps later uh just how his car works but um yeah that's probably that's probably why you're not sure if that kind of kind of move could have been made um you know going from medium to soft uh and applying that to your team but uh yeah i think uh you know mercedes um they've had a they had a good run with lewis you know um in the middle of the summer you know, he had that stretch where he was getting uh third places uh, on the on the podiums but you know wasn't quite you know making it up there to really challenge uh but you know now the last couple of weeks he's gotten some uh, podiums now getting onto second and you know and have two races left in the year and you know hard to see if he even wins still but you know if he can end the year on a couple of podiums that'd uh, be a pretty good improvement from you know where they were at the beginning of the year um you know with uh with uh Perez you know continuing to uh finish in the podium uh and collect points for um for Red Bull uh, Perez, you know, obviously he's done a solid job being teammate to Verstappen and, uh, you know, he's won a couple of races here and there this year, um, but, you know, doing a solid job and, you know, likely uh, ends in the top three in points uh, for the year. Uh, but then, of course, you know, you talk about uh, Ferrari, of course, they weren't even uh, really contending this weekend. And to be honest, I thought maybe that they would uh, be contenders and, you know, they only finished fifth and sixth, though so they weren't even close to the podium uh, this weekend. So uh, just uh, disappointing on that front for Ferrari, you know, especially with the way that they'd like to end this season uh, for their team um, and, you know, have a little bit better uh, momentum than what they've, what they've given so far this year. Just uh, unfortunate um, for them to continue to have these type of results um, and everything. Uh, you know, you mentioned Valtteri Botas uh, finishing in tenth, and you know, to be honest, I think Botas, you know, he's had a couple of races. I think in the beginning of the season where they finished solidly, uh, but you know, in the middle of the summer and you know up until now, they kind of lost that momentum and uh, hadn't really finished all that well. But you know, now they get a, a point uh, for 
the championship um, probably meaningless in the end as far as you know being able to help them uh, score points and make any progress but you know it's a good result to have something you can think about in the offseason and how to make that team better compared to you know some of the other midfield teams like uh, Williams and like Aston Martin so yeah just um, uh, okay weekend of racing in uh, Mexico City but you know um, have to say you know it's um, just another uh, another event this year where Max Verstappen came out with the win and you know he probably is going to set the record for wins this season in Formula One got two more races left and um, you know we can already say I mean they don't have a race this weekend but we can already say he's probably going to win next weekend um, or you know the next race in Formula One so uh, that's that's how predictable it's gotten this year but you know maybe maybe the other teams will try to close the gap next year uh, with Red Bull. Yeah, they can go they know now they can go and break the the cost cap thing and it doesn't really matter so um if Mercedes wanted to do it they could do it if Ferrari wanted to do it they could do it as well. So um the the precedent has been set will it matter because Red Bull has made a car that's so much better than anybody else. We will see. Um if Max Verstappen actually has to work for it, um, we'll see how how he behaves. Um, we've seen over time he doesn't really handle that very well. Um, of course, he's won the championship. Perez is five points out of Charles Leclerc for second in the Drivers' Championship. George Russell is fourth, 15 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton, and 19 points ahead of Carlos Sainz. So that's something to look at as the rest of the season goes on to see you can finish in the top five. Um, Lando Norris is in his own world. Um, Ocon and Alonso are likely going to stay there. Valtteri Botas add, added a point. So now he is 11 points ahead of Sebastian Vettel, 12 points ahead of Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, so that's going to be a lot. That's going to be asking a lot. Uh, so Botas, he had the great run at the start of the season, as you mentioned, Josh, um, up through Canada, and then after that, it's been barren for for I don't for a while, and that was his first points he's had since Can- since the Canadian Grand Prix. So big time for that to happen. In regards to the constructors, it's forty points between Ferrari and Mercedes with two races to go, and uh, in the last. <laughs> What is it in the last three races? Two of them, or last two races, uh, Mercedes has outscored Ferrari, and then they were only a point behind at Japan in three. If we go all the way back to um, going all the way back to Austria, um, Mercedes has either been ahead or close to the Ferrari team in one, two, three, four, five six, seven, eight Grand Prix. So three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I mean, yeah, they had a bad, they had a terrible race at Singapore, and that's really what might be the difference, because that's a thirty-one point difference. Ferrari has a forty point lead right now. Um the Belgian Grand Prix was eleven points there. And um yeah, so those are and they had small gaps here and there, but Two races to go. We'll see what happens with Mercedes. Um, Alpine only gets one point score, while McLaren gets both teams in their points. Uh, seven points between those two going into Brazil. Alfa Romeo has a four-point lead on Aston Martin. 
So that's still an interesting battle. Haas is one point ahead of Alpha Tori for eighth in the constructors. So things that we have to look at um, going into the Brazilian Grand Prix, there will be sprint. There will be a sprint race as well at that weekend. So for some of these teams that were trying to maintain or save their cars or engines and all that, something to look at going in there. Uh, yeah, well, I mentioned Pierre Gasly has those these two points away from a possible one-race ban. Um, Yuki Sonoda about to lose two points off of his um, tally. So um, after, what is it, Verstappen will lose two points at the end of the year, conveniently. Um 23, 23, 23, 23. Um, yeah, Valtteri Bottas, same day, will, will, will be clear. Uh, Lewis Hamilton actually doesn't have any penalty points. Hmm, something. Uh, people talk about him being a dirty driver. Yeah, I guess the penalty points say another thing. Um, getting into, so let's move on from that. Uh, I mean, yeah, the I mentioned about you know, Fernando Alonso made a quote earlier in the weekend about how Max Verstappen's championships were more difficult because he had somebody to race, even though he didn't have to race anybody real. I mean, he had to race Lewis Hamilton and he ran over him a couple of times to make that happen last year. And then, uh, this, this year he had nobody to race. And then, um, Lewis has, won seven world championships and had to compete against Sebastian Vettel when he was at Ferrari had to compete not only against his teammates, uh, both of his teammates over time at Mercedes. He also had to compete at McLaren. He also had to beat Felipe Massa in 2008 for his first world championship, but don't let facts get in the way of, uh, your saltiness, Fernando. We get it. Um, I mean, I get you're five foot tall and your girlfriend's taller than you. I get it that you've been in Formula One for like 80 years and you have not been able to close a championship out since 2006. But like, get a grip. I mean, you're you're just as big of an asshole as Max Verstappen, but you haven't done anything of great significance in a Formula One car in a decade. So like, suck a dick. I mean, Honda hates you to the point where they don't even want to supply you an engine to go run Indy. That's how you've alienated multiple manufacturers and teams through your time. So your your history is not so great. Um, he's going down the path of Nelson Piquet, really, without the without the final results. Even though he has had great results over time previously in his career, but um, I mean Daniel Ricciardo, I also mentioned, uh, had an interesting day, but he got a seventh place finish, a good run for him, beat his teammate was. Had a bad qualifying run, was nowhere early in the day, but then was able to make it work in the end um, as he's going to go off into probably being a test and reserve driver um, next year because he's not going to drive for Williams and he's not going to drive for Haas. And those are the two seats that are left on the grid. Every other team either has their driver lineup set already um, I mean, I'm trying to think, yeah, Alpha, yeah, Alpha Tori, yeah. So everybody else has their driver lineup set. Uh, Logan Sargent, as we mentioned last week, will be in the Williams if he can get the super license points after Abu Dhabi. He had he was supposed to get an extra point from practice in FP1, but they didn't run him enough laps in FP1, so he doesn't get, he didn't run 100K. Uh, he ran one lap short of that. 
which is pathetic um, by Williams. And, oh, yeah, look at Susie Culber. Yeah. Um, but um, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe they'll run him at Brazil to make up for that and Abu Dhabi. Um, so see what happens with that. Haas, uh, we don't really know who's going to be in the second car, uh, whether it's Mick, whether it's, uh, what is it, um, I'm forgetting, what Nico Hulkenberg or somebody else. So to be determined there. We don't know who Williams' other option would be if Logan Sargent isn't able to get through. Hopefully you will. Uh, getting into the GSP roundup, BRT in the hunt for 26 supercar entry. So positioning in a span of two cars. Dorm- oh, nice. Spare teams setting idle and effectively carrying racing. Oh, okay. Talking to the standalone entry. Camaro's to purchase and triple eight for a G Sanaway. Apparently, can't reach the R2 as well as the market. Okay. So that's interesting. So that'll be something to look at into the off season, trying to where they go and expand um, the grid because they have they have racing entitlements contracts in uh, essentially like the charter system in the Cup Series. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, goes and wins at Surfers Paradise in what is it in both races. Not surprising. Uh, in race one, wins over David Reynolds, Chaz Moster, Will Davison, Cam Waters, Anton Di Pasquale finishes sixth. Race two, Van Gisbergen over Moster, Davison, Reynolds, Kostecki, Winterbottom, Cam Waters, Andre Heimgartner, Pither, Anton Di Pasquale finishes tenth. Uh, the points see SVG five hundred, nearly six hundred. As you know, it's like 490 points up. Uh, so it's basically uh, a lock. I mean, we, we're pretty certain it's a lock. I think there's only one race to go in the season uh, in the supercars. They're going to be running at Adelaide uh, in in December. Yeah, it's 490 points. I don't think there's any... Um, there's any way I, the, the most points you can get on a round it looks like is 300. So they didn't say anything about him winning the championship, but no uh, supercars, supercars, yeah, yeah, get into that. Unless they're running some sort of Repco Supercars championship, curbs are standing This is milestone extended kill. Get through. Uh, drove angry. Champ exceeded lead after. Okay, so. Dane Magnus saying his anger motivated race 32 uh, forward on the side, blah, 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 frustration, maybe, uh, uh, blah, 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 conclude without Adelaide Streets in December. So, yeah, so while it isn't locked up yet, uh, he is basically um, won yet another. It'll be his third Supercars championship um, of his career. He's dominated the last two years since she, since uh, Scott McLaughlin has left the category and um, says 27. So I don't, how is, see, I don't understand that. How is it show a different points? It shows 660 points on the, on the 27. Yeah. So they have a totally different point thing. Oh, that's great. So how the hell has he not won the championship? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> that makes, that makes no sense. Uh, Whatever. Uh, let's let's just work under the assumption he's already won the championship. Uh, 
He won last year by 211 points over his teammate, Jamie Winchcup, in his last year driving. In 2020, Don McLaughlin was coming off his third consecutive championship. Um, he won three in a row after losing the 2017 championship to uh, Jamie Wincup by 21 points. I'm trying to see where um, SVG, he had won the championship in 2016. Yeah, he won in 2016 for Red Bull, um, the Triple A team, and um, in 2016. So it'll be his third championship, I think. I might be, for some reason, I feel like, yeah, Frosty won it in 15, and then 14 was yeah, Jamie Winch Cup over SVG. 2013 was Winch Cup over Craig Lowndes' teammate. Um, so, yeah, so it'll be his third championship. Uh, so uh, credit to him. Uh, Scott McLaughlin had plenty of nice things to say being there, and he's going to be a part of the announced team um, at Adelaide for the last race of the season in at the start of December uh, to end the season, the Adelaide 500. Um, so that'll be two races, I think, there. Um, or maybe there's three. Maybe that's why it's still uh, a, yeah, a race. Three, yes, yeah, so there'll be one. Oh, no, there's only two races at Adelaide. So I guess there's 600 points in that. So there might be a chance, whatever. I don't know how the points are, and I don't know how the points are not updated in the same way on, or unless they didn't update them for up to up to date for this past weekend, which is entirely possible. Uh, NHRA at uh, Las Vegas this past weekend. Um, for me, uh, in terms of what I wanted to see was Tony Stewart uh, go and win. Uh, he fell short to Madison Payne the daughter of Jay Payne and Shelly Anderson and plenty of other people in our family that have won in NHRA, Doug Gordon and top alcohol, funny car. Oh got some of these other people. They didn't con the super stuff. They don't have some of the other thing. They're in pro stock motorcycle. Hector Arana jr. Won uh, for a second consecutive race uh, in the pro stock motorcycle category. And the pro stock category, Eric Enders wins again and uh, wins another championship. Matt Hagen wins funny car. Brittany Force wins in top fuel. You know, trying to get into that. She beats Mike Salinas in the final for top fuel. Matt Hagen beats Robert Height in funny car. Enders beats her teammate, Troy Coughlin Jr. Uh, and then in pro stock and Hector Rana Jr. beats Matt Smith in uh, pro stock motorcycle as i mentioned two ten thousandths of a second for tony stewart away from a possible first uh win in his first career nhra start uh the points for the three categories are still in play going into the points and a half uh finale uh, at uh pomona for the for the um i forget what they call the the rate i mean it's a winter nationals in um it's a winter nationals and then it's a world finals i think yeah the auto club nhra finals in a couple weeks time uh, britney force goes in with a seven point lead on justin ashley 66 on mike salinas antron brown 78 back steve torrance 87 back 
I think essentially up to Austin Proc at minus one twenty six still has a shot. Um, you can I, when it comes to points and a half. I think it's one hundred and twenty. So yeah, so it would take. Yeah, you'd have to do set a record or something. I really the top five are the ones that are still in the mix there in top fuel. Uh, in funny car, it's a three horse race. Robert Height is 61 points ahead of Ron Cap, 63 ahead of Matt Hagen. Those are the three that are in the mix. All of them uh, multi-world champions. So trying to add yet another trophy to their mantle. In Pro Stock Motorcycle, Matt Smith is up by 104 over Joey Gladstone. And um, essentially, that's his only person he really has to look at. Um, Jerry Savile's 136 back. Uh, Matt's wife, Angie, is 148 back. So I don't think the points will um, be able to get that far, though. Points are earned. Blah, blah, blah. Camping World countdown points. And then events are going you know, Countdown adjustments. Countdown champions. Pomona, too. So 150 winner. Okay. Yeah. So points and a half. So it's like 100. Okay. So you get 10 points extra, four, three, two. Okay. So yeah, up to Austin proc and top fuel. And, um, if you're within 150 points or thereabouts, 160 points in the, in the standings, you have a, like a minor shot, Josh Hart in that sense, Austin Prox 126 back. Josh Hart has still got a minuscule chance in pro stock. It's over of course. Um, but it is a close battle between Aaron Stanfield and Troy Coughlin for second. Um, Koretsky and Greg Anderson are separated by 10 points. It's 20 points between Stanfield and Coughlin. So that'll be something to look at. One point between Dallas Glenn and Matt Hartford. Christian Quadra's 11 points out of Derek Kramer. And then Mason McGahey is five points ahead of Bo Butner. Seven cam so there's an actually a decent battle to see who'll make the top ten in points. Um in pro stock behind Enders. Um yeah, it's still the three in funny car. And then in Pro Stock Motorcycle, um Angie Smith you know, under that pretense would still be in the mix and Jerry Savoie. So we'll get into that in a couple weeks' time for the NHRA. Um I mean Tony made a great run in Q one and in uh Top alcohol dragster ran a 520, 525 or thereabouts, I think. Um, I have to go back into their um, Texas Fall Nationals. I didn't bother to update that. Lucas Soil schedule results. I don't want the divisional schedule. I want the national schedule. The heck, divisional. What the fuck? Oh, well. Anyway, um, yeah, so that was... Uh, a good weekend for Tony and his NHRA debut, um, falling to, um, as I mentioned, um, falling to, uh, what's it called? Uh, Madison Payne ran 5.25 with an eight, 271.57 in the final, lost to Payne's 5.26 with a two, 275.9. Um, yeah, top field drive definitely more fun definitely not anyone that has fenders on it so i'm loving this sport <laughs> yeah because he's hating nascar these days uh qualified well qualified second in his debut in his first run so we'll see what he does 
We'll see if it means he's going to be driving in a pro category. I have a hard time believing that's what he's going to do. Uh, I think he's a little more realistic than that, just based on driving the 410 sprint car and how hard it was for him to compete in that. I think he has a more realistic um, view of things going into that. Uh, MotoGP running their finale this weekend uh, in Valencia. Peko Bagnaia has a 23-point lead over Fabio Quattararo. So essentially, Peko Bagnaia has to finish 13th. Um, as long as he has finished a race this year, um, I mean, he's had four, five, five DNFs, but of the races he has finished this year, only once has he finished outside of 13th. So of the races he's finished this year. Fabio Quattararo needs to win. He has not won since Germany back in the summer. Since the back-to-back wins in a second in one of the Italian rounds, he's had four DNFs and only two podium finishes in that time. While at the same time, Peko Bagnaia has won, was it four or five races, finished second once and third twice. Hence where the swing has went towards uh, Peko Bagnaia for him to possibly become uh, to win a world championship uh, for Ducati. He'll be the first Ducati world champion since Casey Stoner, I believe, probably, um, which would be huge. And um, Alicia Spargo is only a point ahead of Enea Bastaini uh, for third. Jack Miller is has a, still has a small chance at third if he can have a good run first or second um, on Sunday. And he could possibly go out there with issues for the other two. Um, he could, he would have 209. Yeah, he'd have to win. If he won, then he'd have a chance at third in the championship. Um, 11 and um, 11 is 22. So, yeah, he'd need to win. But um, good battle there. Brad Binder is Zarco for sixth is close. Oliveira Martin is close for ninth and tenth in the drivers. I mean, the teams, Ducati's won. Uh, that championship, they're over 100 points, and Constructors was done a long time ago because Ducati has way more bikes than anybody else. And Moto2, it's a very close battle going into the finale uh, at Valencia. It's nine and a half points. Augusto Fernandez over Ayagura for the championship. Aaron Kinnett likely going to be in third. Arbolino is 10 and a half points out of Celestino Vietti, Jake Dixon, and Alonzo Lopez are all kind of in there. 20 points separating those four. Uh, Pedro Acosta is right there. Joe Roberts is in ninth. He really would have to win to move up any further. Um, only two points out of Chantra won earlier this year, the second round of the championship um, for, um, for Joe Roberts. He won uh, one race as well and finished second in one um, earlier in the season, and then kind of went away after that for him. So similar results for Chantra as well. Uh, Cameron Bobier in his last race in Moto2 is in 15th, so you'd need to score somehow or another, get 11 points. So that would mean if he could finish fifth um, with issues for some of these other riders, he could move all the way up to 12th in the championship. Um, Sean Dillon Kelly right now is at five and a half points 
in 28th. Uh, so it's still close, a couple of points. He can move up a couple more spots with a decent weekend at uh, at uh, Valencia. Uh, Moto is out of curiosity. I don't really look at Moto 3 much, but I'll go into that anyway. Moto 3, uh, Guevara, the champion there, and then in Moto E, had Ducani not in, would have been short sighted. I mean, who? Oh, oh okay. Set to become Moto E supplier. Interesting. Torres crowned Moto E champion. Okay, so they didn't. They don't have the the results for Moto E, but then they. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So uh, let's get into football. I mean, the uh, Monday night football right now, Josh, is not all that compelling um, as it stands. It's eleven nothing, eleven nothing Cleveland. They're in the red zone for a possible touchdown to make it eighteen to nothing. Um, Cincinnati has not had anything this whole day. Uh, Cleveland needs this win. Oh, that's a run. Uh, you hit the pylon, and that's a touchdown for um, that's a touchdown for um, what's his name, Jacoby Brissett. So yeah, that's game. And um, you know, right now Kenny Pickett is outscoring Joe Burrow, who has had one interception and one fumble today. So my quarterback play this uh this week has been an abomination. Um Joe Mixon has 17 total yards and uh yeah. So I went from a possibility of getting into the top 5 this week to now I'm pretty certain that I'm not only not going to get into the top 5 this week but I might have I mean I have a little higher score than was a one I'm in the. I'm a little close. I'm less than a point away from a Steve, but I'm ahead of two people. So I think I'm going to go from. I could either finish sixth or seventh this week. Um, I'm winning my other matchup in the Yahoo leagues that I'm in, but and then in the sleeper league we won. Uh, we were winning anyway, even with Joe Burrow being complete shit. He has point six two of a point. Um, I mean, I'm trying to see, does that guy have anybody else playing? Oh, he has Tyler Boyd. So if Tyler Boyd is actually one of the only people who has positive yardage, two receptions and 25 yards. And, uh, yeah. Oh boy. What a cluster. Uh, so there's a chance it could get crazy. Um, if, if Burrow actually starts doing something and he throws it to Tyler Boyd, it could become a problem for us, but we might fade the fact that uh, Joe Burrow's having like the worst game he's had in his career. But um, uh, let us talk about your your Jaguars first, Josh. It's been a, a minute. You lost the they lost to the freaking Denver Broncos and shitting high stepping Russell Wilson and uh, Nathaniel Hackett. That outstanding offense. Uh, they showed up, but it was more a case of how the defense showed up and made key plays on Trevor Lawrence to um, expose some of the um, deficiencies that the former number one overall pick in the NFL draft has shown so far in his career and uh, is something that is probably a major concern as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence um, 
you know, through two interceptions, one on the one yard line. So, you know, go back to week five through one in the red zone, uh, five yards out. And then this one here, uh, through one on the one yard line, uh, on the goal line. Um, I mean, looking back at it, like it, the decision to throw, I mean, wasn't the worst one. It was just a poor, poor throw and he didn't place it where he needed to place it. Um, but you know, uh, my my thing is why why even run on the the one or why even pass like that? They they went five wide on a QB sprint action to the right, and I mean why even uh, throw that type of pass or call that type of play when you can just run it in? You have Travis Etienne who's had like six and a half yards per carry in the NFL this season. So why you know why pass in that situation? Just hand the ball off on the one and and punch it in um instead of this passing shit you know i mean i wouldn't even i wouldn't even hand it or uh, i wouldn't even call a passing play the rest of the season i would just go back to 1950 and hand it off uh every play and you know punish uh the other team's will to to even live um that's how i would play um but you know uh some of you know he also took a took a sack that took him out of field goal range I think um, before halftime uh, and then the game ending interception uh, that happened uh, just uh, can't can't make that type of throw um, but you know just made a poor decision there um, well I don't know if it was a poor decision because I haven't seen the tape yet but you know uh, threw it to a guy that. Uh, was on a cast and uh, you know threw it to Kirk straight to Kirk, which I think maybe it looked like is a uh, he you know didn't go through all of his progressions, but I don't know, man. Um, uh, I mean, he has the arm talent, I think, but he just doesn't have all the decision making, and um, you know just hasn't hasn't all come together yet, and that's why uh, I mean he might might eventually win one of these games like this. Maybe you know they get him a, a number one receiver in the in a trade this week or next year but uh you know i just uh i just don't know if he has that mentality to go out and win games and i feel like i feel like number one picks uh should be able to go out and win uh you know you know go out and win games and you know put him in game winning situations and uh he just hasn't he hasn't quite put it all together like that so i don't know we'll see um I mean, there's also the defense that allowed, you know, Russell Wilson to go down the field. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, you know, defensive end, lost contained. And he's another one, first overall pick, or no, well, pick in the first round, seventh overall, but, um, you know, he hasn't been able to generate the pressure. I mean, you know, he has 16 pressures on the season, I think, and three sacks, but, you know, he's just hasn't, hasn't been able to, uh, be an impact player in in these type of games and i mean i would i would trade josh allen right now like i don't think he's worth the the contract extension um i'm yeah i don't i don't care if he's a quote-unquote good player uh he just doesn't make enough plays and um, i mean i think i they probably what they probably think is put him on you know him and trayvon walker but as the uh the guys uh on the outside to edge rush but i mean I don't know. I mean, they he hasn't really performed that well. And I honestly, I would, I would trade him and see if we can get a, you know, couple of 
you know, first round picks in return and, uh, you know, or a second round pick and, you know, try to get a wide receiver out of that deal, uh, somehow. Um, I mean, offense is what scores games. I mean, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't even field. I mean, I, sometimes I don't even think you should, you should just, you know, not even feel the defense and let the other team have a free score. So you get have the ball back. Um, just do that. So I don't know, but, uh, Travis Etienne took over the starting role officially this week and yeah, he had 155 yards. So good job. And I think what one, one touchdown. So, uh, yeah, he, he was the player of the game on offense. Uh, and I guess he proved, uh, they proved that, you know, he, he could actually be the guy. So, I mean, at least this week, so we'll see. Um, but you know, again, one yard line instead of, you know, going five wide and throwing a pick. I don't know why you just go, don't go heavy and, and, uh, why you, you know, why, why not go heavy and hand it off to the running back to punch it in, which they did later in the game. Why did they do that in the first half? So, um, yeah, you know, that's how it is this week and we'll continue to move on and they play the Raiders and, uh, the Raiders have a chance to get right after, uh, you know, going 24 to zero this week against the Saints. So, um, yeah, the Broncos got right against the Jaguars and we'll see if the Raiders can get right. So, uh, that's, that's what it is. Uh, I don't know. I, they should try to trade for a wide receiver, but, uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. So I would chase Claypool, Elijah Moore, uh, DJ Moore, um, something like that, or one of those guys, uh, at least somebody that can at least get open on the outside. Uh, cause that's what they're lacking on offense right now. And I guess it would help Trevor and could see if they could actually, you know, uh, use, use more of his arm talent. You know, of course he hasn't thrown a pass longer than 30 yards in the air since, uh, like three weeks or whatever, since week five. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if, uh, he can do it, but, um, you know, fantasy wise, managed to score what would have been a winning score despite two of my players uh only scoring a handful of points uh you know first of all Darren Waller out out of the game so um I should have started um Evan Ingram uh but I faded him for some reason and then I picked up another tight end for the Saints who had done well in other games but um just the matchup I guess didn't play out and I thought I thought you know with the Raiders being not good covering tight ends it would work out but it didn't so there's that uh and then Derek Carr didn't do anything against the the Saints so uh I don't know maybe maybe he'll do good against Jacksonville so I'll keep him in the lineup but uh you know he didn't do good either so um you know if I started I guess you know if you started Evan Ingram at wide receiver or at tight end and then put in um Rondale Moore at the super flex uh I probably would have won that but you know normally you don't think to put the other uh, non QB guy in the, in the super flex, unless maybe, you know, one of your players is injured and you don't want to use a, a waiver, uh, thing or, um, you know, they're on a bye bye week or something like that. But, you know, would have been a, would have been a game winning score scoring 228 points, but, um, you know, Hertz season goes out and scores 248 with, uh, Deandre Hopkins and AJ Brown and, uh, uh, Jalen Hertz. So that's, a uh, pretty tough to beat and it was always going to be an uphill battle from there so you know we'll see we'll see next week uh try to improve you know we're down to 500 which i don't think i've ever had that happen uh in this league before so um i don't know maybe if i pay my dues which i I need to do maybe maybe i'll have a winning record next week so we'll we'll try that so 
I'll remember to do that after this show, and um, then we'll go from there. But, yeah, going to have to uh, figure out some things this week on the fantasy front and try to improve uh, for next week. So try to get back into this because, um, you know, got to gotta have a good standing for the fantasy playoffs um, and, you know, make it in to the final round, um, try to be in the championship round. So uh, ho- hopefully, you know, hopefully can, you know, try to do that this season um and certainly it's been it's been pretty tough uh unless you know you're professor jay or the guy that has jalen hurts and aj brown so uh you know or wilson so um it's yeah. pretty tight mid-pack yeah well me looking at four consecutive losses uh right in the face uh it's pretty bad um trying to go and bring this up here bring my yeah, so the league stats I dropped I've dropped four games in a row. I was three and one. And now I'm gonna fall all the way back to eighth. Only a game ahead of the bottom two teams. Vic had started, I think, 0 and six, and now he's one two or he was like one and six or one and five or whatever. Um he's gonna it's a close battle between him and Luke, so it could actually change. Um he could actually if uh, Vic wins, he could actually go to three and five and tie me in record, and then Luke would drop. But um, I've lost five, four games in a row. Um, my my night, I mean, my day was basically over. Um, I mean, he had Lamar Jackson. That's another touchdown for Cleveland. Or there was a flag maybe, but Lamar Jackson had a good game. McCaffrey went nuts which I'll speak about in a minute. Um, DJ Moore, who might be traded uh, from Carolina in their fire sale, had a great game. Uh, I picked Atlanta in my uh, in my uh, survival pool, and they somehow or another eked it out uh, over Carolina. DJ Moore got a uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after scoring a big touchdown uh, from, uh, uh, what do you call uh, why am I forgetting his his quarterback's name? Um, P.J. Walker, yeah. P.J. Walker took his helmet off. Uh, what's worse is Joe didn't even have one of his players. He got zero points from one of his spots. So I've had my full team, and essentially he had four players beat me. Um, Trevor Lawrence was, was terrible, um, and Joe Burrow is somehow or another coming through to be even worse than him. Uh, only has 103 yards. He has an interception and a fumble lost. So um, my quarterbacks have combined for 14 or 15.1 points. And uh, his quarterbacks scored, what is it, 46 and 30. So 70, like 77. So, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. At one point, Daniil Hunter was nowhere to be found and he showed up late. Um, DK Metcalf, I left on the, the, this is what's crazy. Kenny Pickett was my best quarterback this week. That's how pathetic my quarterback play How's was. How's it even possible? That's how <laughs> bad my quarterback play was. Kenny Pickett in a blowout, threw, lost a fumble, lost, threw an interception. Uh, he actually had a solo tackle, so I gained points. I think that's why. The solo tackle is two points. Okay. Um, yeah, so he, had, he got uh, two points on that. They don't show the full breakdown. I don't know why. Oh, that's why, because I didn't put him on the, I didn't put him in the lineup. That's why. So, um, the solo tackle and the rushing yards, um, 
the point, whatever, the PP or whatever, points per rush and all that. That is sad. That'll that'll do it. Uh, Niners get a huge win in their second home in L.A. Uh, destroy the Rams. Kind of wish. Uh, was that another touchdown? But, uh, no, that was the same. That was the touchdown we just saw. So um, a huge win going into uh, their bye week. Christian McCaffrey becoming only the third player in the modern era to throw, catch, and run for a touchdown. And um, first one since LaDainian Tomlinson. It looks like Jimmy Garoppolo has a safety blanket, which might mean that Jimmy Garoppolo might be able to play decently enough for the next, I don't know how many months, whatever, next uh, four months, three and a half months. And if he does that, uh, the Niners might be able to somehow or another get to Arizona for the Super Bowl. They do have to play Arizona twice, the Cardinals. They have to play the Cardinals the final week of the season. Uh, Ayuk had a good game. GK had a good game. Defense was all right. Um, Hafunga's aggressiveness is starting to take a, is starting to go against him because he misses a lot of tackles. Um, you know, I think that's uh, that's something he's going to have to work on. Um, if fundamentally, I mean, he hits hard and he can make big plays, but you also have to be fundamentally sound. The secondary is beat up. Everybody on the defense. There's a lot of injuries. So it's something the Niners need to have uh, going and fixed uh, in time for uh, the second half of this season. They're going to have a couple of primetime games coming off of their bye. Be playing the L.A. Chargers and they'll be playing Arizona uh, on the road. I think that's the Mexico game, actually. Uh, so they'll they'll be on the road on Monday Night Football uh, in Mexico for that one. And then they'll play Arizona at home, which has a great chance to be um, on on uh, the flex game, game two, whatever the hell it would be. Uh, but we're looking, I'm looking way further out than that. Um, yeah, now I'm up to 190 points. So uh, what is that? I'm still going to end up being sixth because there's five teams that have two over 200 points. So. Yeah, I would need uh, Joe Burrow's actually running for yards. Look at that. Oh, man, he's woke up. I mean, some people, somebody has to start talking about the fact that um, his coach, whatever the fuck his coach's name is, is he's pretty shitty. Because um, the reality is, if you're going to tell me that their whole entire offense is run through Jamar Chase, you're you're telling me it's the same crap as A.A. Ron has now that he doesn't have Devontae Adams, really? You're going to tell me it's the same thing as... You're telling me Buffalo can't figure out how to throw the ball to anybody other than Stephon Diggs when he has those other wide receivers with Josh Allen. I mean, I know the offense is driven through that and all that. I don't understand how this league has gotten to the point where you can only throw to one person. You know, Kansas City doesn't. Kansas City that throws to fucking Kermit the Frog throws to anybody and everybody. Gets people from out the fucking stands and he throws touchdowns to them. McCole Hardman went and got three touchdowns against the 49ers. The guy's been non-existent the rest of the year. They picked up a malcontent from the Giants. That was a first-round draft pick, Kadarius Toney. And he's going to end up being good, conveniently, probably. Uh, you know, like, whatever. Niners, we'll see what happens. They'll be on by this week. Uh, the slate this week is kind of is not great, but we'll see what happens. There's some good teams on by, but hopefully next week in fantasy I'm winning in one, possibly in two, probably in 
definitely in one, probably in two, losing in one. I'm going against Luke in fantasy next week. Uh, Josh is going against Manny, who's been a tough team all year based on his uh, performance and the dual record. He would actually be in the playoff, uh, the playoffs uh, because of uh, his dual record uh, situation um, as of last week. Um, I updated a couple of people. Um, currently, the dual record leader is Jeff with 13 and 3. Uh, Manny's at 9 and 7. Uh, Wilson, I think I feel pretty comfortable in saying Wilson's going to um, finish with 2 0. Yeah, he's going to be fine uh, because Steve needs T. Higgins to go off, and I have a hard time believing that's going to happen. Um, it's funny. Um, Miles Garrett has actually not had a bad game, but nothing crazy. One solo tackle, one sack, one deflect, pass deflection, and tackle. That's a tackle for loss. While um, Luke has Tyler Boyd, um, I need uh, I need Joe Burrow to throw a touchdown. That would be nice. Um, that would be to get him ten points. It would just be nice if he could actually go and get his point total to where um, they're running out of time. Oh, they have three seconds. Okay. So this, they could, I mean, I don't think they're going to score a touchdown on this play, but um, is that to a white guy? Is that to the tight end? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they have a white guy as the tight end this week. I well, forgot. yeah, they have Hayden Hurst, but that's yeah. another white guy, a uh, random white guy. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't yeah. any of those other people. They're in the yeah. red zone now. Um, he has 5.4 points because now he has 150 pass yards. Um, so, yeah, 20 yards a point there. But he's lost four points with the um, interception and the fumble. So yeah, you talked about Joe having zero points, and yet I remember when I played him in Week Five, he also had zero points at the cornerback position. And you know his his uh, team nickname is Kyler's Film Club. Obvious nod to Kyler not studying, and clearly yeah. he's not paying attention because he's still somehow winning. But you know he's uh, got. Left left some points there clearly on the board with the couple of goose eggs at, at hey. the uh, cornerback position. <laughs> when you're when you're a father of two and busy with all that, I guess he's able to get away with that, and he has a good enough team to fade that. Um, yeah. I try to fill a full team, and um, I have quarterbacks that look like they play at uh, one. They they couldn't even beat Jackson State. So um, whatever. It it is, I guess, as they always say, it is what it is. Um, he'll have to show up this week because he has to play Wilson. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, Professor J plays Vic, so we'll see if he actually does anything. You have to play Manny. That's a tough out. Um, I mean, right now the the league would have three teams at six and two uh, going into next uh Next next week, uh, be three teams at six and two. If everything holds, um, Joe would be fourth at five and three. You'd be in fifth at four and four, and then there are three teams at three and five. Manny would be in with the most points. He is nine points ahead of uh, Steve, and I'm twenty. What is it? Uh, nearly thirty at uh, twenty-eight points or twenty-six points, twenty-seven points behind him in eighth. So it's a close battle, and essentially, based on dual record, I think he would be ahead anyway. Um, the dual record plays against you. You've had a rough uh, scoring uh, season so far, but 
I think you'd be able to fade it um, because of your record. I think it's really about tiebreakers if anything happens in that. But the top four kind of is what it is. Um, Manny would get in with that. Me and Steve are tied. And then you're uh, right there with us, essentially, in that spot. So I think we'd have to go and look at that accordingly. Let's get into the previews for all three NASCAR uh, series here. Um, I mean, I, the Niners made their trade for, for Christian McCaffrey. They ain't trading anything else unless some mir- some they find some miracle picks or something that they don't, that they have. Uh, let's start with trucks. They haven't raced since, uh, uh, what do you call? They haven't raced since Homestead. They'll be running the Lucas oil one fifty. It'll be ten fifteen Eastern time. So that's, uh, interesting. Uh, starting time they don't have enough trucks to have a full field so there's going to be some field fillers uh in there uh looks like a pick or no there's a touchdown to tyler boyd lovely um so i've gotten a 202 points so i do have a chance to actually get in the fifth so there actually is a chance i am 2.1 points away from getting in a fifth for this week um, and splitting. Oh, McPherson misses the PAT. Lovely. Um, that is pretty god god awful. Uh, what is it called? Yeah, Luke with that touchdown probably has won uh, his matchup. And uh, yeah, uh, so he'd get ahead of Steve. Yeah, so you know, Professor Jay's fucked. Professor Jay's got Nick Chubb, <laughs> I guess. Professor Jay's not is going to be last no matter what, but I guess they're going to give it to Nick Chubb. They're going to deflate, take the air out of the game. Uh, there, who did I have? I have T. Higgins, of course. I'm, I never had the right Cincinnati wide receivers. Fucking joke. But all right, final four in the truck series is uh, have to raise a Ty Majeski. Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, Ben Rhodes. Ty Majeski's won two of the last three races. Chandler Smith won uh, back in the summer at Richmond, and he won one race in this playoff uh, so far. Zane Smith has not won since May at Kansas. Uh, when it comes to the, uh, to um, what's it called, uh, Ben Rhodes, the, um, Ben Rhodes has yeah Chandler Smith. Ben Rhodes has not. Ben Rhodes won at in the dirt on the Bristol dirt. So that was in April. And Zane Smith last time he won was at Kansas. Uh, you have going through some of these people. Blah blah blah. Kligerman and Chandler Smith was at Pocono. He won at Richmond. That was his last win uh, of the last win he had, and that was back in August because of how stupid the truck series schedule is. So based on recency bias, Ty Majeski is in good shape. Based on the full championship, the Smiths have been probably the two best drivers in this championship. And then, of course, Ben Rhodes last year is the defending series champion. And, um, you know, that that gives him uh, a, a, an opportunity you know, trying to go out there with the results and having that veteran experience to go out and possibly repeat joining his teammate, uh, Matt Crafton, 
as a repeat champion of the truck series. But Josh, I'll I'll start with you. Who do you think amongst those four is the most likely to um, pick pick up this championship on Friday night? Uh, and then I guess secondarily, do you think it'll be with a win? Um, if not, who do you look at to win? And who's a wild card for you in a short field at uh, Phoenix this weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, you know, tough four here to pick from. But, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Chandler Smith. I feel like they have the resources behind him. And, you know, he's been strong as of late. He's been better than the other Smith, Zane Smith, um, you know, for most of this season. Uh, I feel like, um, you know, I think Chandler Smith, he's, uh, has what it takes to get it done in the championship race. Um, you know, as far as the other guys, um, Ben Rhodes hasn't really been that strong since the beginning of the season. Granted, he did win this race kind of out of nowhere, uh, after, you know, last year, kind of, you know, went away after the first, uh, couple of races, uh, and, you know, he, uh, came out out of nowhere to win the championship last year, but I just don't see him sustaining that again this year. Uh, so, and, you know, I think Ty Majeski is, you know, formidable of a driver as he's become. I just don't think he uh, is going to be able to pull it off uh, this weekend. So I'm going to go with Chandler Smith. I think he's the got the best car, the best team out of the uh, top four remaining in the championship. And I think he can, you know, go out and win, win this race here at Phoenix, um, if not win, then he'll be the best among those four. Um, yeah, I think a wild card pick this weekend for the trucks, you know, uh, the best of the rest. You know, let's look at Carson Hosevar. I mean, he's had a, a, you know, chance to win races this year and plenty of opportunities. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, we talked about it offline, kind of like Ross Chastain, guy that's willing to send it in there. And, um, you know, if, if it means... Uh, winning a race, you know, other people's championship being damned, uh, you know, he uh, might try to do that, but you know, we'll have to see if he's able to make that a uh, that attempt. But um, you know, I think he he has a good opportunity if he's in the right position at the end of the race uh, to make something happen. Um, but it's going to be an interesting race for sure. Um, you know, this is the shorter race, but a lot of things can happen. You know, we've seen it in the past. Obviously, you know, last year John Hunter Nemechek had problems happening um throughout you know the final race we thought he was going to be the favorite going into this but um you know ended up not being the champion and ben Rhodes kind of came out of nowhere to win it so uh even in even 150 miles there's still a lot that can happen here uh the final race for the trucks my fault there i was going and making putting adjustments on the picks page uh i made the picks on the Xfinity, you made the pick. You called the whole entire podium uh, there. We both called the uh, people that would make the final four. Of course, we didn't know what Ross Chastain was going to do to get to the final four, but he did it. Uh, for me, I mean, it, it was a good pick by a great pick by you because Chandler Smith won this race last year. It was one of his two wins he had last year in the playoff itself. And, um, you know, Sheldon, what is it, um, Zane Smith ended up, he has finished second twice in his two last two years. He's finished second in this championship. He finished uh, two points behind um, Ben Rhodes because Ben Rhodes finished third. 
behind Friesen and Chandler Smith, and uh, Zane Smith finished behind those guys and also Sheldon Creed, who should have been in the Final Four, but whatever. Um, John Hunter Nemechek really should have been the champion, but he choked, he spit the bit in the playoffs. Three finishes outside of the top 20, three top fives, one good enough. And Rhodes also had a out, uh, outside the top 30 finish, but and no wins, but uh, that's something. Uh, for me, in regards to this race for um, the pick here, Craft you know, in one back to back in 13 and 14, Rhodes trying to do that. Um, Ron Hornaday, he didn't, he had, for all the championships he won, he never won back to back. He won them off each other, like other years, split them with Sprague back in the day. And then in he bookended Johnny Benson, 07 and 09, should have won a fifth championship, but um, but he uh, uh, got wrecked by Kyle Busch. Um, and he got suspended, but Kyle Busch got suspended, but Keebler Gibbs does it and it doesn't matter. Uh, for me, of the final four, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say Zane Smith gets the victory and and gets his championship finally. Uh, he's essentially the only person that Ford has in their driver development program now. Uh, so and that's another touchdown for um, for um, Nick Chubb. So I I don't know who has Nick Chubb, but they're having a great day today. Um, I have to bring it up. I'm trying to see who has Nick Chubb. Uh, Oh yeah, Professor Jay has Nick Chubb, but he's still oh, so he actually has a chance. If if they're able, if they if he's able, if they're able to get the ball back, um, he might be able to pass Vic for to not finish last this week. But um, that depends on if uh, Cincinnati can score more points. But okay, yeah, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick uh, Zane Smith, the only person that Ford has in their driver development program that has any chance. Really, my uh, wild card pick for this race. Uh, um, my wild card pick for this race. I mean, it's not really that wild, honestly. If I go with either of these people, um, I can't. I'm not going to go. You know what? No, I, mean, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with Corey Heim. Corey Heim. He's won twice this year, and um, he's going to be a full time driver uh, next year for triad or tripod or whatever the fuck David Gilland racing is called Gilland. And then, uh, what the hell are the Gilland gray racing, um, tripod garage or whatever, um, which is probably the nickname for Lexington steel back in the day. Um, there, um, yeah, I, I think he's gonna be, he has a chance. He has a really good chance to win. In Kyle Busch's last Kyle Busch Motorsports last race uh, as a Toyota outfit there at Phoenix uh, Xfinity Series uh, at uh, Phoenix the what do you call they don't have a sponsor for it of course uh, it'll be a 200 lap race one driver will fail to make the show and um, <coughs> excuse me um, of course we have three Junior Motorsports guys versus Keebler Gibbs. I'll go first. My bias and want is Josh Berry to win this race and win the championship. The reality is Noah Gregson 
is going to go and win his ninth race of 2022 and become an Xfinity Series champion. And he's going to live up to his um, Tim Richmond uh, self and have go and have sex, unprotected sex with lots of women and probably do some drugs and um, make his new team proud, um, make his new car owner, Spencer Gallagher, proud um, with uh, his actions there. So uh, picking Gregson to win this race, uh, my wild card choice. I mean, if John Hunter was in this race, I would definitely pick him, but he isn't. He's pretty good in these cars. Uh, My wild card pick for this race is, uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go there. I had two people I don't like and I've never liked. I'm I'm going to go and pick uh, Bruckshot Jones. He's won at this racetrack before. It's a good Joe Gibbs racing track. That's uh, the, the revenge pick. Yeah, and um, I mean, if he was to win and, uh, and possibly prevent Keebler Gibbs from winning the championship, it would be pretty good. Um, he is laid over for, uh, but he is also laid over for um, Noah Gregson earlier in this playoff. So we'll see what happens. Those are my choices, Josh. Um, how about you for the Xfinity series? Well, for me, for the Xfinity series, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Josh Berry winning the championship this weekend. Um, yeah, I think he has a good shot at it. Um, yeah, I know Noah Gregson had won in the spring here at, you know, at Phoenix and, you know, set the car on fire, set the track on fire. But, you know, I think Josh Berry's got to have a good piece this weekend to be able to do the job. Um, you know, I think he's been a solid driver this season. Um, you know, it's kind of the sentimental favorite, I feel like. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he has a good opportunity, um, you know, based on how he's run at uh, some of these short tracks this year. And he's got kind of that mentality, you know, last year you saw Hamrick use the bumper to get to the, uh, you know, door of Austin Cindric to win the title. And I, you know, I think he's got the same mentality, you know, he's not going to wreck you completely like, you know, Ty Gibbs, uh, did this past weekend to Brandon Jones, but you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm of the mentality that, you know, he, he's going to be able to, um, use the bumper if he needs to, um, you know, he's that, you know, kind of short track racer that, you know, you want to see, uh, in these late, late race situations, uh, you know, especially at Phoenix, but, um, wildcard pick, uh, here for Xfinity. Um, you know, I'm, it's hard to say, but, you know, I'm going to go with, I mean, it, it's not really a wild card, but considering that, you know, outside of the final four, you know, you're not really paying attention to others, but, um, I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger as a wild card. Uh, see, um, you know, you get a little bit wider range of wild card picks now, you know, once you have the top four left. But, um, you know, he's still pretty strong, and I could see him potentially affecting the championship where he's wherever he's running. You know, he may have a strategy called to try and win the race. Uh, last opportunity as a full-time Xfinity driver to go out and win uh on the season and you know maybe maybe they come to a late race caution he decides to stay out or he takes two tires or something uh to try to get to the lead so i could totally see that happening um you know last year he came up short in his bid to win the title um so you know he's going to move back up into cup next year with colleagues so you know let's see if he can uh end his full-time xfinity career with a you know chance to go out and win Yes, T. Higgins gets a touchdown from uh, 
uh, what you what you called? Uh, why am I forgetting his name? Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow actually has a pedestrian score now. Uh, they're still going to lose uh, for sure, but uh, two hundred over two hundred yards passing and two touchdowns. Uh, Joe Mixon still doesn't have. I mean, he only has what is it forty five total yards, but he has. Yeah, 1.6 on the rushing, 7.5 on the receptions because point one and a quarter points per reception, 18 receiving yards, 27 rush yards. So it's been quite a struggle and a drudge for him. Uh, for me, um, right now, the irony is that T. Higgins with that touchdown has given um, Steve a backdoor chance if they can get the ball back and he can get a couple more receptions to possibly beat Wilson. Uh, um, I've already passed him, so now I'm going to finish fifth this week. Uh, I'm not going to get any further uh, without a miracle, um, but Wilson's going to be a lucky loser as well. Uh, might lose altogether. Um, well, actually, yeah, he's going to be a lucky. He'd win and all that, so that's something. Uh, Cincinnati wasn't around for most of this game. And then all of a sudden at the second part of the second half, they decided to show up. What a joke. Man, the way you're talking about this game with the scoring, it's like, I thought it was a close game. I'm, I don't even have it on right now. Um, it's now 32 to 13, 13 to 32. So, but I guess, I guess in fantasy, you know, scoring matters and still got six minutes uh, left in this game. So, um, a little bit of late late game volatility that could affect the fantasy uh, standings this week. Yeah, now my even though I'm still going to fall to eighth and lose four games in a row, um, I'm only eleven points point two five points behind uh, Steve, who in turn could possibly still win and then switch this up to where he'd be four and four. Wilson would drop to five and three and be tied with Joe. Um, and then that would give, um, this, what do you call Jeff the lead outright. So there, there is still some intrigue, uh, in, in this game. Um, I'm going to move up to, th- I'm going to be three and five in my other league here. So my sleeper league is the only league where I'm over 500, uh, but whatever, you know, we'll see what happens with that cup series doesn't have a sponsor for their finale, uh, 312 laps on sunday afternoon they'll uh, be running there at phoenix the final five uh, are of course joey logano christopher bell william clyde elliott the second and ross chastain with uh kyle larson the defending series champion uh in the owner's points battle uh, for next for this next race knocking his teammate william clyde elliott the second out because he didn't score enough points. So in this race, Josh, you have five. In a, in a sense, you have five choices, um, which is different than it's ever been before in the Cup Series, which I think is going to could play a bit of a role. I mean, I think they do want to see Hendrick get the dual championship, which is entirely possible. Uh, but what do you think will be the case and your pick for this weekend's race at Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, there's a chance for a split title here because um, Kyle Larson won at Homestead and put himself uh, into the the conversation on the ownership side uh, for that championship. And it's actually kind of interesting because uh, the way you know 
the way its standings are laid out currently for the owner's title, um, you know, you have Kyle Larson, then the number five as the, um, you know, in the owner's points. And then you also have Chase Elliott in the nine, um, in the driver's point standings right now. And, uh, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, you know, way to end this season where you have this split title and it's, it's entirely possible that, you know, we see, um, this, this play out where you have Hendrick number five, uh, or the Hendrick number nine win. And, you know, in, in, uh, one sense, the Hendrick number five, if he, if he wins, then he wins the owner's title, but he doesn't win the driver's championship. So they still, I mean, obviously last year they won both, uh, but this year a little bit different because of the situation with Kurt Busch, uh, with his concussion. And, uh, so it's entirely possible, uh, that we see that. And then if the nine wins, he doesn't actually win the owner's championship. So that's still up for grabs, um, depending on where, you know, the five finishes. And then of course, if any of the other three with the Penske 22, uh, Joey Logano and Chris Bell in the 20 and, uh, Ross Chastain in the number one, uh, if any of those guys win the title, uh, win the race and, uh, win the title, then they also win the owner's championship. And then, uh, then that's the scenario where Hendrick doesn't win the title. Of course, um, the owner's title, you know, of course, unless Chase Elliott wins, uh, which, um, that's, that could, could be possible. So, um, it's, it's a very interesting scenario to play out. And, you know, um, normally this year we only focus on the, the four drivers, you know, coverage wise, they're only going to focus on the four, you know, in the past, but now you have a fifth guy in there. So they're probably gonna have to give uh, a lot of focus on to Kyle Larson because he's certainly somebody that has won this race, obviously last year and, uh, could come out and win, uh, you know, this race and take home the owner's title. But, uh, with all that said, you know, it's an interesting strategy that could play out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with um, the watermelon man, the Florida man, to win this title and win the race. Uh, Ross Chastain go out and win uh, here at Phoenix. Um, you know, I think uh, he's going to ride ride the wall from from Martinsville all the way to Phoenix and take home the title. Um, you know, he's had a really interesting season. Um, you know, part of this playoff for him was up and down, but you know, he managed to get his way into the, you know literally ride the wall into the title. But if you look at what, you know, what he's done this season, you know, he's had a lot of, uh, opportunities, um, throughout the year to, you know, win races and, um, you know, score top five finishes, uh, finished second here back in, uh, Phoenix, all the way, you know, back in March. And we're back here at, uh, at Phoenix here in November and, you know, possibility that he could go out and, uh, win this title. So, and honestly, I actually forgot that he even finished in second uh, at the beginning of the year. So you know, could could happen. Yeah, I remember him and Chase. him and Reddick were up there with Briscoe. Yeah. So so yeah, that's entirely possible. And so that leaves with the wild card pick. Um, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Martin Truex Jr. as the the wild card here. Last year had a chance to go and win. Uh, you know, against Kyle Larson. And uh, didn't make it happen, but you know the nineteen. You know he's been uh, he's been hit or miss, but you know, at the same time, uh, Truex. You know he's um, a reliable driver, certainly somebody that can make something happen. Um, and uh, I don't know if he 
I don't I don't think he'd be the guy to you know go out and affect the race where you know he doesn't um, where he affects the title but certainly he was a strong car and he could be up there in the top five at the end of the day uh, at Phoenix you know he's a really really good driver uh, at this track and when it counts uh, he knows he knows uh, how to get it done when when things are on the line. Those are both good picks. Who would, if he were to win somehow, if they allow that to happen, he'd be a twentieth different winner this year. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I'm going down a similar path that way. I'm saying that Kyle Larson is going to win on Sunday, which means he would win the the uh, owners' championship for Hendrick Motorsports. Um, in terms of the drivers' championship, oh, I should put that in my picks then. Um, and then let me go and edit that. Actually, YRB wildcard is my wildcard. It'll be YRB. If you were to win, he'd be the 20th different winner this season. And Christopher Bell, uh, would be my champion, uh, overall driver's champion, uh, with whatever you would do. So I'm saying Larson to win. So all guys that have some connection to, the sprints in in some way, shape, or form. Larson repeats at Phoenix in this race, gets the owner's championship for Hendrick. Gibbs gets the driver's championship for Christopher Bell with Kyle Busch leaving um, and Keebler moving up. And then YRB, if it were on neither of those, YRB was the dominant driver in this race, started on pole, won one stage, led the most laps. Uh, but in the end, uh, Chase Briscoe, led uh led a good part of the second half of that race briscoe was up there early from from essentially lap 230 till the end was him so uh was it 70 82 laps last 82 laps um briscoe led 81 of the last 82 laps to win his first career race there i mean obviously i'd like for him to go and win um to walk off and um and end this season on a high note, but we'll see what happens there at Phoenix. NASCAR has not been known for allowing outsiders from the championship to be in that spot. So uh, we'll see about that. So those are our picks for the races at Phoenix. We will go over all of that next week in episode 143 of the grip strip podcast. Uh, but Josh, uh, before we go, Let's uh, get into the sim side of things, uh, what's going on in iRacing and some of the gaming, other games that are going on like F1 and uh, things that you're going to be doing here in upcoming weeks now that we're getting into the racing off season soon enough. You're on mute. Yep. Sorry about that. On mute. Sorry. Yeah. No, a um, couple of races left here in Formula One, one race left here in NASCAR, but you know the sim racing still uh goes on and you know i i mean i did i did a little bit of martinsville last night um and i actually tried the truck series and uh because that was the time that was available for me to to try and run and um the truck series uh i tried to do the the wall ride thing that ross chastain did and it was a it's a little bit harder to do in the truck i feel like um you know you have to hit it at the right angle and um, you got to be going fast enough and feel like in the, the cup car, it works out um, the way it's set up. And I don't know, I have didn't try in the Xfinity car, but um, I imagine I imagine if you're hitting it at the wall at the right angle, you uh, keep going. I think I was maybe a little bit 
uh, off the wall in, in going into turn three, uh, trying to, I, and I did it in practice and didn't do it in a race session just to test it out and see if it would happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Martinsville, one of my favorite tracks, uh, on iRacing and, you know, and sim, you know, gaming in general, going back to the PlayStation days. And, um, yeah, I, I don't really remember if I did a move like Ross Chastain in, uh, you know, in the games before like that, I, I probably did something, you know, where you just, you know, floor it and hope, hope for, you know, you come out on the other side like that. But I don't, I don't know if I did anything quite like what he did, uh, in the games. I mean, I, I probably did. I just don't remember it. Um, you know, it was all the way back when you're, you know, six or seven years old playing on the PS2, uh, you know, on NASCAR Thunder 2003 and 2004, uh, something like that. I mean, not on iRacing because, um, you know, you got to turn off the damage and everything. And uh, maybe it might work in iRacing, but, um, you know, it's a very unique situation uh, to, to do it in. And, you know, we talked about it before and, you know, it, it works, it works because at, at Martinsville and maybe other tracks because of the physics and the way the game is set up, but, um, it worked in real life because, um, Martinsville has a short radius and, uh, I think that's, that's what really helped them there to keep the acceleration, uh, in the corner compared to everybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, try to get into F1 again here uh, in the off season, um, I'm going to try to try to figure something out with that um, and just play a little bit for fun um, on there and also just uh, run whatever NASCAR and IndyCar on iRacing throughout the off season. And, you know, we'll have, have fun throughout the winter. Um, I think the iRacing super speedway is coming back in a couple of weeks on NASCAR and iRacing and uh, throughout various weeks. Um, so might, might try that again uh coming up and we'll see we'll see if uh you know can make some good moves on there going flat out um you know at the iRacing super speedway um but yeah i mean it's going to be an interesting off season um i plan on upgrading my equipment finally uh for iRacing i'm gonna try to i'm looking to upgrading the pedals first uh so um because i think people have recommended upgrading the pedals first because you'll gain the most time that way steering you know um definitely you know force feedback uh you know you have that feeling but you know with braking and stuff you know you get more consistent braking with some of the newer equipment and um compared to you know the old tenure equipment that i've had for years now so um yeah i gotta gotta do that and try to get you know try to get red air on the road racing side and also you know some of the short track stuff uh on the you know on the oval end um but yeah uh that's that's pretty much it for the sim racing segment you know of course this week on iRacing they'll be doing the phoenix raceway stuff mim mimicking the real life nascar event schedule uh so i'll probably try some of that um you know with the nascar side uh yeah i think um with the the way the way that it's coming out you know I'll try to try to run phoenix um indycar i think indycar this week uh for the fixed series is at charlotte uh so that might be interesting uh the nascar legends series the um throwback series is at darlington this week uh so that might be interesting road course racing wise um delara f3 at long beach that might be interesting Okiyama Circuit for the Mazda MX-5, always a good good track. 
um, yeah, Spa in the Indy Pro uh, series that might be interesting as well. So there's always a lot of good opportunities uh, here on iRacing um, to run. So uh, yeah, that's it for sim racing. Of course, uh, find me on sim racing, doing all my videos at Twitch TV slash UCLR2. And, uh, you know, you can follow me, uh, see all the takes and everything, um, at JP Huffine on Twitter. And then of course you can follow our grip Ship podcast page on YouTube, subscribe, you know, like subscribe and, uh, watch our page, um, on YouTube grip Ship podcast there. All our videos are up there so you can go and, uh, watch our stuff and, you know, pay attention to our videos and listen to it off of YouTube if you want. Um, uh, besides other streaming platforms that we're on, uh, audio wise, so go on there. So yeah, that's it for me this week. Um, of course my birthday is on Friday, so, um, good stuff there. Uh, Happy chapter early 20, birthday, sir. Yeah. Chapter 27. Uh, so we'll begin on Friday and, um, should be interesting. Uh, gonna, uh, try to, I mean, I was at, I was at home this past weekend for my my dad's birthday and now it's my birthday this weekend so be spending some time with family and friends i guess um wanted to try to go to the jaguars game on sunday against the raiders but i don't know yet if i want to now um maybe i will just for fun we'll see i know one of my other friends is going so maybe i might just go just to hang out or whatever so um you know maybe i'll do that but i don't know yet i haven't decided um uh if not might go might go at the end of the month in november with um the Raiders are playing uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, on uh, the Sunday of the Thanksgiving weekend in Jacksonville. So that's the other game I had in mind to go to. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, should be a, should be a good week, of course, and uh, be you know celebrating my birthday this weekend. So um, glad glad to be doing that, and um, you know glad glad to you know have have a birthday to celebrate, and you know hopefully be blessed with many more, and um, you know be able to enjoy the next uh, year of my life. So, yeah, that's 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 it for me this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely happy early birthday to you, brother. Uh, 27. I don't, I mean, I can remember. That's, what is it? Um, now it's, I'm going up all in age now. Uh, uh, 27, like 28 was, yeah, it was 2012. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, those are the days when I had less pressure and um, I was going to school and, uh Things seem to be a lot easier. Um, no, yeah, I'm trying to sign. Like, I don't know what this is. Probably, yeah, this is that Elon doing that. But uh, in terms of myself, you can find me at Philip G Matthew on Twitter. You can find us at Grip Strip Pod. Um, oh, so um, NTT Data as we wave the check our flag on. Uh, so NTT Data now is leaving the um, uh, so oh so they're going over uh, so that's what it is so NTT Data is leaving the ten team at Chip Ganassi and they're going over to um, McLaren which is essentially where um, uh, that's where uh, Alex Pillow was supposed to be um, that's interesting uh, oh, Michael J Fox is going to be on Broadway. That's something. Um, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew. You can find us at Gripster Pod on Twitter. Uh, we're anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can find us, Philip G. Matthew. Um, our YouTube page is at Gripster Podcast, that Josh handles. And um, 
yeah, we'll be back for episode 143 of the GSP going over everything that happened at Phoenix. We will review MotoGP's and Moto2 finale at Valencia, preview the Bahrain eight hours, uh, the finale of the World Endurance Championship for this year. Um, Indonesia will host the uh, Mandalika circuit, will host World Superbikes. Next to last race of their championship, Rally Japan for the WRC. We will talk about Week 9 NFL and preview and make picks for the Brazilian Grand Prix Formula 1, which will also have a sprint race, uh, last sprint race of this year. They're going to have six of them next year. Uh, oh, joy. And then we'll get into all that. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening and supporting us. Um, give us a like, subscribe, uh, let your friends know about uh, the show. If you're interested and want to contribute in any way, let us know. Uh, but obviously, Josh, as always, thanks for um, being my sidekick and giving great takes. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how your birthday goes. And if you get wasted, probably won't. Um, you're way more responsible than I am. But um, even if you do um, go to the Jacksonville game and get wasted, probably you would need to to watch that offense outside of Travis Etienne. Uh, but, hey, you only live once, so go and live it out the right way. Um, Cleveland has won the game over Cincinnati, so game is over. I'm trying to get a refresh here. Just before we end here on the Gripster Podcast, we'll be back next week uh, for episode 143, as I said, of the Gripster Podcast. Um, thanks, as always, for listening and supporting. Be good to one another. Um, take care of one another. Be kind in this day and age of cluster, you know, the effed up stuff that people are doing. Um, take care. God bless. And goodbye. Happy Halloween. <laughs> nice. Yeah.